in what may be one of the darkest conspiracies ever exposed by the news media in this country. The My Pillow guy was seen meeting with Donald Trump in his hand notes, which read uh, they zoomed in and it was something about Insurrection Act. It's hard to read. But of course, the news is already coming out saying that he was pushing for martial law in his meeting with Trump. I hope you realized I was joking about that. It's not a dark conspiracy. The My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, had a meeting with Trump. He's saying he was just relaying information. It was a legal conversation. But the media, some journalist took a, a, a photo of his notes and zoomed in. You have no idea what the papers are about, but there's mentions of Insurrection Act and, and Sidney Powell and things like that. So, of course, instead of actually doing any legwork, the media just says he's pushing for martial law. You combine that with the story that's been freaking everybody out, the 20,000 fully decked out National Guard in D.C. We're talking like live ammo, shoot to kill, really crazy stuff. And people start, well, they start going nuts. That's why it's I'm, I'm, I just rag on the media so much, man. It is so irresponsible to come out and say we saw a few words from far away on a piece of paper and now we know what it means when you've got people who already believe a ton of crazy conspiracies. I don't care if I'm left or the right. And you've got a major security event happening. This is ridiculously irresponsible. Now, as for what's really going to happen on the 20th, my opinion, Joe Biden's going to be inaugurated. Then probably, I don't know if the day before or after, we'll see the impeachment trial. Mitch McConnell is apparently telling Republicans to vote their conscience. We'll see if that actually become something. But I got this map. We were looking at this map of D.C. and there's a green zone where they've like just barricaded everything off. This is really, really crazy. Some people have pointed out there's like a retired general saying there hasn't been this much security for inauguration since Abraham Lincoln. So a lot of talk about on all this. And, and we might actually talk about some cultural science stuff, just kind of get away from the politics. But we'll see how it plays out. We got a really awesome guest today. Joining us is Jason Rance. Hello. I'm a talk radio show host that probably no one has heard of unless you watch Fox News. Because yeah. then you probably have seen me uh, doing some things uh, on Tucker Carlson and Antifa some other Antifa loves you, I hear. Antifa, huge fans. They absolutely <laughs> adore me, and I adore them as well. But Lots you're, of content. You're based out of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yes. I, I actually live in Seattle. I don't just say I'm uh, like a Seattle talk show host. I actually live in the heart of Seattle. Right. Ah, yeah. So you got to experience the uh, crossing the border into the heart of the, the, the newly uh, born country yeah. of Chaz. They took away my passport. And I had to sneak in. <laughs> now, the good news is COVID, the one positive in wearing the masks everywhere, is it's kind of hard to recognize people. However, oh. I quickly learned it doesn't work when you have very distinctive eyebrows. And yes. they spotted me so quickly. <laughs> this, it is so creepy. The eyebrows. As soon as I got in, and this was like sort of or early on when it was being established, and you know, I had gone down there. I was there with Julio Rosas uh, yeah. from Town Hall, and we were just taking some video, and then I'm checking Twitter, and I'm looking at the hashtags, and people are taking photos, and they're saying, Jason Rance is here. Look at his eyebrows. I know. And so I've learned <laughs> now you wear a hat. Uh, it makes it harder. Yeah. yeah. Or sunglasses. Band or something. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks for hanging out. We're gonna, we got a lot to talk about. Of course, we got Luke Rukowski. He's chilling. Did you get your passport stamped at least? They literally just took it. Oh, oh my gosh. It was, it was very traumatic. Well, <laughs> well, howdy. I'm an independent journalist and also not just now a humble t-shirt seller, a vendor, but also a hat seller that you can, of course, get very humbly on wearechange.org forward slash shirts. I produce content on the YouTube channel, We Are Change. It's great being here with all you amazing people, but not just here, especially the you guys, the incredible audience out there, that's really something that is stop, absolutely stop different. Buttering than buttering them up. I have to. I, to I have to. I ha hey, I'm just saying, there, there's some good people out there. So. Ian, you're chilling, uh, right? I am. Did they give you your passport back? No. What? They, wait, wait, they forever? really took your passport? Yes. 
No, they who didn't. took it? You realize it's not an actual country. Yes, I, mean, I know. I just walked by. They no, but I. They, but I mean, like they were like stopping people with they guns. Were, they were st- so. Mm. And I'm like, at a certain point, I kind of believe it would happen. The, the, so, like, it, frisk you and take your it stuff is kind of like what's going on in D.C. right now, where you did have some people who were armed, and when cars would go through, they definitely would stop folks because there was concern that someone might actually just try to drive through. Even it was a sort of an unjustified concern, but they weren't actually asking for papers. But they were asking, like, "What are you doing here?" It's like, well. Everyone is talking about this, so people are coming down and checking it out. Do I live you not here. Want people here? So. Yeah, or you know, when you were talking about masks and how everyone has been wearing masks, I realized all those people that kind of broke into the White House weren't wearing masks, yeah, and now smart. they're really facing the wrath of yes. not having their faces covered. That was the true Is crime. A, it, who do you remember who said that? The other, it was a congresswoman, and I'll find it at some point. Oh yeah, I forgot her name. Jayapal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I don't think it was Jaya. There's another one I know. It must have been if it was Pramilija because she's my yeah. congresswoman. I probably oh. would have remembered that. How but dare someone, they not wear a mask? Then she wasn't wearing a mask. Yeah. Well, it was the people who the rioters who were going in. They also weren't wearing a mask, and apparently that was something that was a big deal. Yeah. Kind of overshadowing the actual <laughs> yeah. big you know, deal. Yeah. But I remember, I remember seeing some uh, media reports about this. Ha- this is going to be a super spreader COVID event, and uh, it doesn't look like I don't know. I haven't you know really followed it up. Doesn't look like that was the case at all. You know, we'll see. But we'll, we'll get into all this stuff. Don't forget, everybody, we got Sour Patch Let's hanging out. I'm all here the in the corner listening to all this craziness, and I am pushing buttons. Right on. Now. Before we get started with today's show, we have a sponsor that I really want to talk about. So yeah. special thanks to them. This is pocketnet.app. This is actually really cool. So we got, we got, uh, they, they reached out to us and they say they are the first fully decentralized social network. No corporation, open source. Nobody can take your subscribers away. All advertising revenue goes directly to you as a content creator owned and self-policed by users like you. Join the revolution today. Join the revolution today. They say on their site. So I actually, I, I get this email full of all these things they want me to they talk about, but then I actually looked at it because we've talked a lot about big tech censorship. And I said, you know, this, this deserves something a little bit better because check this out. They say, how is PocketNet different from Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and other platforms? There is no central authority or corporation. The platform is run by equal nodes on a blockchain. All revenue is split between node operators and content creators. Node operators stake PocketCoin in order to mint blocks with rewards and transaction fees. Half of rewards rewards in each block go to content creators based on ratings their content gathers from users. So I have this I have this list of things they want me to talk about, and I'll mention some of it. But, you know, Ian and I, we, we, we went back and forth a little bit, actually really impressed with the idea of it a sounds, totally decentralized social media it's platform. It's fantastic. Bill and I have been working on it at Mines since, like, 2013 is when we first thought, like, we got it. And we got this thing called Nomad. But, it, I mean, it is, like, bare bones. This is awesome. Yeah, so this is pocketnet.app. And they, they mentioned a few th- So I, I do want to read for you some of the things they, they, you know, I should say. Only users decide what content is appropriate for them to see. When you get high ratings for your content or comments, you earn pocket coin. These uh, pocket net system token, uh, the pocket net system, pocket net system token and you increase your reputation. More reputation gives you more prominence to your content. You can create a private key login at pocketnet.app. And uh, I mean, check it out. So look, we I started looking through the things that they were mentioning and the one and most important thing for any of these networks, because I uh, I recently got you know hit on Facebook and everyone keeps saying, oh, go to this platform, go to that platform. And I keep saying they're centralized. If, if you go to one of these even alternative platforms and they take out the servers, everybody's gone. So when I, che- when I, when I, when I got this uh, uh, request for a sponsorship 
and I saw that there's no central authority, I'm like, that is probably the legit most promising idea, you know, in terms of a social network, because we've definitely talked about decentralization and getting to the point where you are in control of your servers, your nodes and your connection, and then no one can ban you. So, hey, Special thanks to PocketNet for sponsoring the show. You can check out uh, PocketNet in the link below. It's pocketnet.app. But again, seriously, wow, it sounds really, really cool. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later because I'm actually impressed by this. But don't forget, you can go to TimCast.com and become a member. We actually have a members-only post up right now with Richie McGinnis talking about how he was defamed by the New York Times as a right-wing reporter. Actually, they defamed him as a rioter, <gasps> claiming he punched the glass. We sat down, talked about 10 minutes after the show yesterday. So that's up right now at TimCast.com. Check it out. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe button, that like button, the not- notification bell. Let's get to the news. All right, so here's what we got. This is great from The Guardian. Trump ally Mike Lindell of MyPillow pushes martial law at White House. Photographer snaps pictures of notes near West Wing. Visible words include move Cash Patel to CIA acting. Interesting. They say Donald Trump will be replaced as president in five days time by Joe Biden. Trump continues to baselessly claim his election defeat by the Democrat was the result of fraud. The president has now said he disavows the violence as we get. Lindell has seen has risen to prominence among allies, urging the president on his attempts to deny reality. On his Facebook page on Friday, the mustachioed seller of sleep aids wrote, keep the faith, everyone. We will have our president, Donald Trump, four more years. Later, a Washington Post photographer caught images of Lindell in which parts of notes he carried were visible. Among visible text were the words, quote, insurrection act now as a result of the assault on thee. And that's it. Then it says, quote, martial law if necessary, and quote, move Cash Patel to CIA acting. The notes also referred to Sidney Powell, an attorney and conspiracy theorist involved in Trump campaign lawsuits meant to overturn election results in battleground states, almost all of which have been unsuccessful. Now we have the images right here. So this is tweeted by Jabin Botsford. Uh, My Pillow USA CEO Mike Lindell shows off his notes before going into the West Wing at the White House on Friday, January 15th. And you can see some things. We don't know what this is. I'll tell you right away what my, my biggest problem with this is. For all we know, at the top of the page, it says hypothetical or it says recently, you know, Linwood posted to Parler the following. And it could just be example text. It could be a reference. It could be fake. We don't know what it is or, 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 or what, you know, what he's supposedly talking about, why things are, you know, there's, there's redacted sentences on this page. The media just took a picture of this, zoomed in. And now they're running the story as though the my pillow guy is like trying to stage a coup. And that's like the narrative now. It's trending on Twitter. So um, I guess let's just let's just get down to it. Jason, is the my pillow guy staging a coup? I mean, very clearly. (laughs) I will say this. So in the context of all the things that are happening and some of the crazy things that have been said by Trump loyalists, I understand why there might be the jump to conclude that these are his thoughts. You are obviously correct in that they do not have proof. He has since come out. I think it was the Washington Examiner he spoke to basically say, no, these were notes from a lawyer. Now, I don't know if that clarifies, was the lawyer promoting this and you were then handing it to the president? Apparently, the president had read it. They met for about five to ten minutes, and that was that. Uh, You know, I think it's fair game to point out the crazy stuff on that sheet of paper. Yeah. I agree. Let's not go ahead and just automatically assume... But let's also not pretend that Mike Lindell has not said some crazy things. He, he has. He has. But 
Can am I allowed to just please live in the reality where the my pillow guy is the master behind behind this coup to take over, you know, and help Trump stay president? I thought I was supporting that. <laughs> Maybe he has a pillow fort. You don't know. Of course, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. How how uh, it's it's 2021. Things are supposed to chill out. I, I I like that meme where it's like, yay, 2020 is over, and six days into 2021, and it's the Viking guy <laughs> in, the, in the Senate building or whatever. And now uh, it's it's day 15, and the and they're they're claiming that my pillow guy is trying to in, in, tell the president to invoke the Insurrection Act. Maybe maybe I mean he's tweeted about it, hasn't he? Hasn't he said it in the past something he, about martial law? Tw- I don't remember if it was martial law specifically, but he's definitely sort of flirted. Certainly there. You've obviously heard people making this exact same claim. I've seen right. some of these tweets from random people, which is very odd if you're saying the president is not a dictator to then actually say, you should send National Guard to completely just call martial law. Doesn't I, I, I was quite re- work. I was reading about <laughs> World War II, man, because we had a comment the other day about the beer hall push. Is that how I pronounce it? I'm not entirely sure. Where uh, in 1923, the Nazis tried staging a coup and got stopped. And so I've been reading a decent amount about uh, uh, history. I was reading about Italy. I was reading about the Soviet Union and Germany. And I'm just imagining like if in 100 years, some kid is like studying history. And it's like in 2021, the CEO of a pillow company (laughs) met with the president. And like, you know, like that's the catalyst for this. I'm reading about World War II. And it's like they say. You know, Hitler went in, he, they surrounded the beer hall. He said, he jumps up on a chair and he fires a gun in the air and then everyone stops and he yells, it's the revolution. And it's this very dramatic reading of history about like what happened at this time. Now he failed, of course, he, he went to prison for a short period of time. And then it was only like 10 years later, he ended up getting elected. Am I supposed to believe that history will look back on this time? And this is what like the future generations are going to, are going to, are going to hear about. Like we hear these really dramatic stories, these famous quotes. I mean, think mm-hmm. about these famous quotes like give me liberty or give me death. I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. We're going to have in a hundred years, the CEO of the pillow company said invoke the insurrection act because, you know, cults and whatever. I feel and like the Biden. quote, the, the quote's going to be, I'm taking uh, many calls and many meetings all day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. That's kind of incredible how we got to this point. Is it? How is it? I mean, you know what? I wonder this. Is it possible that back in the day when when these these past statesmen and, 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 you know, politicians, when they were saying these quotes, the average person just rolled their eyes and was like, not that impressed by them? You know what I mean? Yeah. I just listened to Her- Herbert Hoover, I think it was, the president, uh, 1928. He basically served us the Great Depression. Um, Man, he was dry and boring to listen to. Really boring. I'd rather have the pillow guy. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at the news right now from the White House uh, correspondent uh, for the Washington Post. And he says, quote, talked to Mike Lindell this evening. He said lawyer gave him notes to share with POTUS, but repeatedly wouldn't say what lawyer. He said he met with Trump for five to ten minutes. And then he referred to counsel's office, said the lawyers were disinterested, very disinterested, and that he allegedly shared this document with this Washington Post guy. Um, and, um, he goes on from there. So it doesn't say the, it doesn't say who the lawyer was. Yeah. He doesn't want to say who the lawyer was. If it was Lynn Wood, would you believe that? (laughs) 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 It kind of depends on who the lawyer is. That's amazing. I, you know, because we have no conclusive evidence, I'm going to choose to live in the world where the pillow guy is colluding with Trump to, you know, some, no, it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, it it really is strange how we've come to this point where people every day seem to think there's going to be some kind of big move by Trump, and it never happens. 
You know, I, I look to some of the most prominent and vocal Trump supporters over the past several years, people like Scott Adams and Cernovich, and they're they're talking down. They're like, well, you know, it's it's time to move on. It's mm-hmm. it, it happened. It's you know, what, what are we going to do? Time for Trump to leave and things like that. And I still see people. I still see posts on Facebook where they're like, tomorrow's the day Donald Trump's going to invoke. And, and I'm like, you, you said that last week, man, and, and nothing happened. Why? Why is this? Why are there so many people on the left who are convinced that the Nazis have taken over. There was one journalist who tweeted literal Nazis stormed the Capitol. And I'm like, dude, the life magic shaman who thinks he's an alien. I don't think he's a Nazi man. I think he's just yeah. unwell. You know why I think it is? Because they've been dosing kids with aspartame since the 80s. And they're a bunch of grown kids thinking that they're still watching cartoons. And they're expecting like a fantasy ending. Too many movies. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about all that. But people just don't want to live in reality, man. No, and you know, let's be honest about the social media aspect of it. I mean, we tend to amplify the crazy. That's what social media does, and that's why some of us are on it, right? Because we are fascinated by the lunacy, and that's all that this is. Now, does it strike me as a little bit more lunacy than at least I expected? Yes, because even, you know, on my radio show, as I talk about what happened and I call it a riot and I say the president was wrong. I didn't think it was impeachable, but I did say he has some responsibility here. Immediately, you just get immediately attacked that you're not allowed to criticize Trump at all. And as much as I don't like the whole cult of personality narrative and talking point that has been used, this was the first time at least I've noticed it just outwardly absurd. Yeah, It just went too far. And, you know, it's good to be loyal. It's not good to be blindly loyal. I think I think many of us, you know, because we I, I've done so many segments defending the president. I think it was uh, Dave Smith, the comedian who pointed out that you want to criticize him. But the critics of Trump are so insane. Yeah, you're forced to look in the other direction and say, no, no, like. You know, they'll claim, you know, Donald Trump could walk past a dog and smile and they'll claim that he tried to kick it or something. Or like the fish thing with Shinzo Abe, where he he poured the food into the pond because Shinzo Abe did. But they zoom in and make it seem like he did something wrong. So instead of being able to be like, Trump should do this better, the media is doing worse. So you're forced, you know, now I think what's happening is we're at this point where most people, most of them. Uh, especially those who had been defending the president, recognize he's out and Joe Biden is about to come in. But there are some people who are used to hearing the defense of Trump who liked it, who have kept going. They've never stopped. So for, you know, people like us, you know, you mentioned on your show, you, you criticize or, or, you know, say things like like it's over. We we put the brakes on and we're like, well, as far as this train goes, and they just went off the tracks and yeah. they keep going. That's why it's crazy when you, when you see Lynn Wood getting as many retweets as he was getting. Like that's that's. He was getting like 20,000 retweets when he would say things like Mike Pence is a traitor and the firing squads. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, where's this coming from? I tell myself it's a lot of people retweeting and saying this is insane because I but don't want to believe. No, no. But these are retwe- not quote tweets. Like, you, you can quote tweet and say this yeah. guy's nuts because I did. And then I had a lot of people respond and say, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. And I'm like, sure, I guess. But come on, man. We don't what live in a movie. What could possibly happen? <laughs> I mean, seriously, what could possibly happen? I, I, God bless the imaginations of a lot of people. And it, it pains me to say that because, look, I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. I supported Trump. I was critical when he deserved to be criticized. But I sort of had the same position of 
the other side has gone so over the top in criticizing yeah. everything. My natural tendency was to defend, right. even in instances where I wouldn't normally give that kind of leverage or leeway to to a politician because of how over the top the other Seriously. side was. Yeah. It's just it's a little bit too much. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy because we've been told by the left for the last four and a half years a riot like what happened or the siege was going to happen. We were told that. And every time they said that in the past, we're like, there's been no violence. Everyone relax. Meanwhile, there was actual violence on the left in which they completely ignored it. And then the time it does actually happen, and I'm not downplaying it, it was incredibly serious, symbolically way more damaging to this nation, I think, than six or seven months of BLM riots or Antifa riots because of just what it stands for. But y'all didn't say anything then. They defended it. Kamala Harris raised money for them. It it really is absurd. And it just feeds in to this culture, this environment that's allowing for this to continue. I I don't think this is going to stop because of how people are reacting. Jason, you made a good point before saying how people are fascinated by what's on social media. I would even go further and say that they're captivated by it. And because of the echo chambers, because of the censorship efforts, I would say that's one of the ingredients that that is causing some of the madness that we're experiencing right now. Because if people were able to talk through, were able to communicate honestly without any censors, without being put into the dark corners of the internet, I think things would be a lot calmer. And I think now, with everything happening, it's only going to get worse because those same ingredients are only added on instead of being reduced to this crap pie that's in front of all of us. The, the real money right now in political commentary? The left. Absolutely. If, if you know, if, 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 I, if I was the grifter they claimed I was, I'd be 100% on board for Biden and all this Democrat stuff. And I'll tell you why. The beanie would be pink. Well, here, yes, and it would have little little ears. Yes. No, here's here's the reason though. Um, if you if you say things like what Lynn Wood is saying, oh, you're banned in two seconds. Mm-hmm. If you say there was fraud or anything like that, they smear you, they defame you, they take away your ads, they boot you from sponsors, and they ban you outright. But if I were to do a show where I claimed Trump is a fascist dictator, this proves it. The Lindell meeting proves there's an a coup attempt, and we all must stay vigilant, and that it's Russia, and we know it. Well, they, they'll promote it. So it's a they, joy reach. They'll, they'll, they will boost it. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Rachel Maddow. So that's the imbalance. There is money to be made by pushing the leftist narrative, even when it's unhinged. But on the right, you're banned in two seconds. But how does that change? So you have Trump out of office. You've got Biden in there. Let's do the first 100 days will be, oh, how refreshing it is. We now have a real president there and they'll fluff everything up. I have and a- then what? I have a feeling on this show, we're going to be like day two, Joe Biden has bombed 17 kids again. And then the media is going to be like, if we could even find out about it because of all the censors of all the legitimate news uh, organizations that actually do talk about American foreign policy. If, if you under, if, if, if you remember during the presidential debates, this wasn't even a topic of debate. This wasn't even a topic right. of discussion. Well, they canceled so, the so, second one. To yeah, be fair. So, so we might not even <laughs> know what's happening outside because of all the communications lines being controlled and being censored. But what I think is going to happen is going to be very fascinating because these organizations, these groups, these larger ideologies are predicated on attacking, 
on going after and being offensive instead of defensive. So I truly do believe that after the first 100 days after Trump, they're going to start eating their own. They're going to start attacking each other, tearing each other to shreds, because all that's left is is them. And yeah. they're going to find some kind of micro uh, microaggression. They're going to find some kind of privilege. They're going to find something to, to eat each other apart because there's no one else to hit. Well, th- so they're already starting to go after Fox. And yep. uh, so my assumption is they're going to continue to do that. Oh, yeah. But you're right, I think. At some point, so CNN brands themselves now, they're just the anti-Trump network. That's what they do, which is what MSNBC is supposed to do. And MSNBC is at least honest about their brand. They're leaning forward, and CNN was lying. But now they're in direct competition with a Democratic House, Senate, and White House. So they're going to have to go after each other. You you can go after Fox all you want. It's not going to work. But— I hear they want that, you know, was it AT&T on CNN now? They want to sell Jim Acosta. We'll just we'll just we'll just say reassigned. I, don't, I won't say fired. Uh, what, what else is going on? They, they canceled the airport. Uh, CNN airport yeah. is, is, is gone as of March. I think they realized that the only thing that kept them floating was Donald Trump. Yeah, it was truly a glorious past four years of unhinged desperation, screaming at the top of their lungs about Trump nonstop. That's what happens. You open up CNN, you turn on CNN. It's just everyone screaming and <laughs> Trump without him. I think they're going to try the Trumpism angle. Trumpism. Oh. The problem is they've already banned all these people. Twitter purged the QAnon people. What are they going to complain about? So I think you're right, Luke. They're going to start looking. So here's what happens. They get rid of the right. What's left? Moderates. When the moderates are gone, liberals. And then there's going to be eating each other like a, it's an Ouroboros and then... From from my kind of understanding, I do see elements of the far left getting attacked first because they're the most vocal ones. But the the institutional power is amongst the the corporatists, the sellouts, the establishment. So I think right after the moderates, it's definitely going to be the farther left, the kind of AO, not, not even I don't even I even want to say AOC because she's more establishment now uh, than anything else. But anyone kind of representing these ideas, I think it's going to get the boot. But another interesting factor to really kind of remember here is that before. Before Donald Trump was president, the mainstream media ratings, their viewership was tanking going down. And there's a legitimate argument to make that Donald Trump saved the mainstream media, saved CNN, saved all these these national media organizations that actually were going out of out of work because people were saying, I'd rather watch the I'd rather go on the Internet and watch people that look like me, that talk like me, that are actually genuine and not represented by these bigger, larger interests that just spew talking points and narratives at me for their political goal. He, li- he raised them as like undead. They were dying. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I won't let you fully die. I like to imagine Jeff Zucker at CNN right now is like, you know, he's turning the lights off. He's, you know, he's like, you know, pulling on his shirt, straightening his tie and looking at the studio as everyone leaves and the doors close. And then he walks up to this giant golden statue of Donald Trump. Tear comes in his eye and he wipes and he goes, thank you. Thank you. You know, I think that. It probably won't happen, but I was imagining that the news media <laughs> probably would start to go after Biden. If Biden does something really no stupid, that, uh-uh. because they want to put Kamala in office. And oh, then, okay, okay. So they'll wait until Biden pulls the trigger on too many drone bombs or the the economy tanks and they can all put it on Biden. I don't think it's going to happen. No, no, no not, not, not the drone thing, dude. They will no. never criticize a president for war. They'll they have, yeah, they, they cheered on Maddow, Donald Trump you, when they he used was to doing go it. after Bush, though, pretty Yeah, hard. he's a Republican. They're not going to no, Obama. How many people? Obama no, killed Americans. Mm. Yeah. Obama literally was like, uh, it's an American. Uh, blow him up. 
Teenage American citizens were assassinated by the direct. Well, well more than one teenager. It was yeah. one teenager. Um, I don't know the exact. I think thing. I think There's Obama a... killed. I don't, I don't. I think it's four Americans, Jeez. but specifically, I can name two of them: Anwar Alalaki and Abdul Rahman Alalaki. It's a sixteen-year-old American kid who was visit. He's, he was from. I think he was from Colorado. He was born, Colorado. He was trying to find out who San his Diego. father was. And then he went and traveled to Yemen, and Obama ordered a drone strike on a civilian uh, cafe. In a country we're not, it's, it, we're not at war with Yemen. And he then blew up a civilian restaurant, killing an American citizen. And the media is like, mm, oops. Or yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The media went to Obama and he went, it was a mistake. Yeah. And they were like, good enough for us. Pack it in, boys. We got an answer. Yeah. Bye, everybody. And like, then Donald Trump ordered the hit, I believe, on the sister. And then again, we didn't hear anything yeah, I about know, it. I know. And then, <laughs> you know, when Donald Trump becomes very aggressive with his military, the mainstream media cheers him on. They applaud him. They say it's beautiful. It's great. He's oh, showing so, the leadership. So, so they're not going to do that. But, but hold yeah. on. So, but I do think you have a good point, Ian. They'll find something else as an excuse because they want Kamala. They might. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think so. But like I, two or three years in. I think there's maybe a reason, like maybe now what'll happen is we have, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene says she wants to impeach Biden on day one. Yeah. Maybe they'll go, oh no, oh, he's, oh geez, oh, I guess we'll have to impeach and convict. Bye Biden. Kamala, yay. There we go. And yeah, then, that's not but, No, right, right. <laughs> but I mean, I can't imagine Joe Biden finishing out his term for, for any reason. Because primarily, I mean, first of all, he's an old guy, but, yeah. but not even just that, they wanted Kamala. I, I really do think they were trying to prop up Kamala until Tulsi Gabbard dropped that nuke, <laughs> and it really, really was damaging and hard to get around. And so then she just disappears. Then Joe Biden all of a sudden becomes the front runner, and then he picks Kamala. I don't know. We, we heard the same exact thing about Donald Trump. He's not going to last uh, the four years. He didn't even want it. He's definitely not going to run for reelection. He, Biden will make it the four year unless there's some you know health uh, issue that we don't right. know about. He might. Not, he he's almost certainly not going to be the external president yeah that that people might want or maybe they don't want that why, why did mean? so many pe external being out there being in being public facing doing a whole bunch of speeches M my sense is he probably is not going to be that president after the first year i think they've noted the cognitive decline and that's not me dissing him but he's of age where that That's happens. What, I think he's going to be in a wheelchair. They're going to roll him into the sunroom with a little blanket on his lap, and he's just going to snore away in the sun. Nah. Well, look, if that happens, though, the whole point of Joe Biden was to get a calming force in the White House mm -hmm. who can then make it easier for a Democrat the next time around. I think it's a bad strategy if they think it's going to be Kamala Harris, and I, I think you're right. I think they intended it to be. And she did not perform nearly as well as she was supposed let, to. Let, let me ask you something. Why, who, who is this political consultant that keeps telling people like Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris to laugh inappropriately and randomly? Well, and especially if you have the most irritating and grating laugh. <laughs> I know. God bless them. <laughs> but, you know, it, it really is. There are some people who just have really unorganic laugh because it's fake. Yeah. And when it's fake, it's really, really grating. So just stop it. Just tell them to be like normal human beings. And you would have thought that they would have picked that up with Hillary Clinton, who came off as presidential if you took away all the phony nonsense that the they kept. Yeah, I, I just, I, honestly, I just don't understand that. It was it, like you, you've got the worst stereotype in the world. Let's have Hillary Clinton cackle all the time. Yeah. <laughs> And all, Calm it down. Was the Botox too. In like 2006, she wasn't all Botoxed up, and then all of a sudden, she just got all face jacked, and then started. It is, I, it's it's the equivalent. Too. So because they, I think they did it with Sarah Palin too, which is like, 
really lean into the small town mayor thing and use all these isms and and it just it came off as a little bit too phony whereas joe biden regardless of what you think about his policies as a personality he's likable he has a likable personality. Yeah. I don't trust it, but it's a likable personality. You're saying you didn't like Hillary Clinton, who had hot sauce in her bag when asked about <laughs> it on a popular uh, hip-hop radio show? That didn't or, work for you? Or Kamala Harris, who somehow managed to listen to rap before it came out. Ooh, yes. Yeah. That was impressive. Yeah. Or Andrew Time Yang travelers. today, who was at uh, an exquisite, beautiful store talking about how he loves the bodegas, who left his bananas behind. I don't know if you've seen that cringy Andrew Yang video oh, today. Yeah. Oh. He left his bananas on the table. He bought them. He left them there. <laughs> he couldn't even peel peel one. And then he's like, "Yes, guys." And he was in the most like amazing, glorious store you that you could ever imagine. He's like, "This is a bodega." It wasn't a bodega. What's funny about the Andrew Yang running for mayor thing is that his big campaign, you know, policy has always been universal basic income, and now he's proposing what I think may be the worst iteration of it, which is it's like uh, five hundred two thousand dollars for low income people in New York, which. I'm sorry. I know it's cliche, but would just incentivize people to not work. Because what happens when you do things like this is someone could be on the threshold and say, I better work a couple less hours. Otherwise, I'll get kicked off these benefits. If that's I'm, I'm giving a, you know, a, a, a generalization to what his plan is. But more importantly, he's been criticized because, you know, f- theoretically, the plan could work at the federal level because the Fed can print and borrow money. New York can't. New York needs revenue. So where are you going to get this money to just start giving out to New York? Especially as the rich folks are fleeing. Right. Well, they might be bailed out by Biden's new $1.9 trillion plan that he's putting forward, where he talks about giving tens of billions of dollars to states who who are in need. New York City has been in need before COVID because of their overspending. Now that problem is exacerbated twenty-fold, hundred-fold because again, as you as you said, all the people with means are leaving. The people who can't leave are stuck there, and they're literally talking about changing all the office buildings into apartment buildings. So who's going to want to live in a place where there's no jobs, there's there's nowhere to work, well, and you have the highest taxes in? nearly all of the United States. Joe Biden's plan as part of his new 1.9 trillion is an increase of the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. So across the board, everywhere, you could be in the, the, you know, the uh, uh, Oklahoma panhandle and make very little money. Well, good news, $15 an hour for everybody. Well, all businesses have it. I mean, they all have that money just on standby. Of course, of course. They're just hanging on to it because they're greedy. Right, exactly. It's, uh, you know, leftists totally get this. That all businesses everywhere at every, at any given moment have millions of dollars just sitting in a bank account and that, well, they're like dragons sitting atop their pile of gold. They yeah. just don't want to give it to anybody. Especially in rural America, I'm so, told. Yeah. Right, right. So what we need is a valiant knight like Joe Biden to force those dragons to give up the gold to the townspeople. Problem solved. Is this for waiters too? They're making two thirteen an they're hour? Getting ri- or, right, they're getting rid of or they want to get rid of the that wage. Yeah tip uh lower minimum wage which because we did this in seattle and we had these conversations i you would be hard pressed to find a person who worked at a restaurant who wanted that idea Mm. no one wanted that they were like we make so much more money under this current system and they ended up getting screwed i'm down for not not having to tip anymore so so that plan went through and what were the effects of it? So we're still learning the long-term effects because this wasn't that long ago. But one thing that we definitely saw happening was hours were getting cut because they were almost hitting that threshold where they were no longer able to get subsidies. 
But if they were to get off those subsidies because they're now making $15 an hour, now it's like 16 and 20 something cents. It's still not enough to live in Seattle. While at the exact same time, you have the Seattle City Council and the mayor's office constantly changing uh, a whole bunch of different programs, increasing taxes, making it harder to build homes and apartments. And so the cost of living continues to go up. So it's it's ludicrous. They just ended up changing the way that Uber rideshare uh, the rideshare model. So now you have to guarantee that they're making a minimum wage on top of all these new benefits, which Uber came out and said, okay, but as of right now, we're now 25% more expensive to the customers. By April, we expect it to be 40%. And so far, they're sticking. It's way more expensive. Well, that's good, though, because the cab drivers don't like Uber. Yeah, well, that's, of course, that's really what this is about. But all the drivers were like, oh, this is great. We're going to make so much more money. Not if people don't take the Uber. Right. And if they do take the Uber, it's because they can now afford to take the Uber, which means your city is not appealing to the uh, the, the diverse, diversity of socioeconomic backgrounds. You're now, again, catering to people who can't afford to live in Seattle, which is the exact opposite of what you said you wanted to do. I got to point out the dark truth about the restaurant industry. Uh, waiters that make $3 an hour will subsist off of cash tips that they don't declare and don't pay taxes on the restaurant also does not have to declare it or pay taxes on it that's existed yeah. for the be since probably the beginning of time they love it if they want to change that and start forcing them to take salaries or, or huge minimum wages and then no tips it's going to destroy the restaurant industry i know no, no. the irs probably doesn't like to hear that irs but that's the way the restaurant industry works I don't, they, they I, get cash chips they don't declare I don't, I don't think it'll destroy the restaurant industry but i do think all current wait staff will get a very large red pill shoved down their throat when they're like my income just dropped by 60 something percent and the restaurant will have to fire them because they can't front that money they're they're Especially it's tip now. money that yeah. they don't have well, to no, no, pay no, no. They'll, they'll increase the prices yeah and then the, the wait and then people staff, won't come in and then they won't be able to pay enough waiters. Then they'll have to cut back on their waiters and they won't have enough servers to serve the food. Yep. Their service will decline. People will stop coming in. It's just a downward spiral. It's kind of yeah. funny how the politicians who promise to help the poor people the most are actually creating the most amount of poor people and serving and catering the super rich. Have you? Uh, uh, I, I think I, I think you've seen this video, Luke, but there's a viral video. There's a video game. It's called I forgot what it's called City State 2, maybe. And so there's this guy, he plays the games, he makes YouTube videos of his games, and then he publishes them. Well, there was a really funny moment where he decided to create a city-state that had no laws. And he was like, it's going to be chaos, it's going to be murder and poverty. And so he was like, no regulations, free market everything, no taxes, no support, no police. And then as he progresses through the game, there's zero poverty. Every building is becoming a luxury high rise and he's laughing. He's like, what's happening? Everybody's rich. There's no protest. There's no poverty. There's no crime. Why is this? And then a bunch of libertarians and ANCAPs and conservatives started sharing the video and they were like, progressive tries making a, 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 an, a, an anarcho-capitalist dystopia turns into a utopia. So I'm not saying the video game is a perfect model for the real world, but I do think it is important to point out sometimes... Actually, you know, kind of a lot of the time, the government tries to step in thinking they're smart enough as a, a committee to alter the economy of an entire city of millions of people and that it's going to work. I'm sorry, man. Look, I'm not a laissez-faire capitalist by any means. I'm actually kind of left on economic policy, but I can I can be the first to tell you a decentralized network is going to be smarter and better at solving problems than a committee, than, than a small group of people who can't see the entire problem for what it is.
Well, and especially when you're in these cities where it's kind of one party rule. I mean, and, and that's the same for conservatives. I, I imagine that if you had a large urban city and it was only run by conservatives, you're running into the same problems. I do think you need the person to tell you why they think you're wrong. Even if you ignore them the entire time, it does start getting into your head and you do start to question some of your own moves. And I do think that that ultimately leads to better decisions. But we've got so many cities from New York and Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis where that just does not exist. And we've seen the consequences of city halls run that way. I mean, they're just uncountable one-party rule districts that, of course, we have to understand are, are laying the blueprints of what most likely will happen on a federal level with, of course, the, the federal government. When we're talking about Democrats' control of the Senate, the, the, uh, the, the Congress, the executive office, we're, we're seeing something that really is going to truly shape the future of this country. And now Biden's going to be bailing out all the horrible mistakes, all the horrible decisions that they made. So what, there's no incentive for them to actually face reality and the consequences of their horrible actions I, because Biden's just going to come in and bail everyone out. On, and who's going to pay for that? The people who didn't make the bad mistakes, the people who conserved their money, saved their money, are now going to have to pay more taxes and deal with more bullcrap because of other people's mistakes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the naughty words. <gasps> Civil. And the reason why is what we're seeing right now appears to be a political civil war every four years. And it's been increasingly getting worse. 2016 was insane. Trump wins. They scream Russia at the top of their lungs, banging their heads on the wall. Rachel Maddow is, you know, screaming. Chris Hayes. So Jonathan Chait goes on MSNBC and says Trump may have been an asset of the Russians since the 80s when they were part of the Soviet Union. It's just psychotic nonsense. Impeachment, impeachment, investigations for years. Every so you see, what happens is they use every political maneuver and every legal maneuver they have to try and destroy the other side. Now what's happening? We got Marjorie Taylor Greene on day one. She will she will file articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. The Democrats are now taking control of the, the federal government in terms of the Senate and the House. I'm sorry, the Senate, the House and the executive branch. And then they're going to enact laws that large portions of the country does not want. The divide between the cultures of how people want to live are so dramatically different that when you get, uh, you know, Democrats in office, it's they're going to what, what these policies Joe Biden's proposing, especially gun control, for instance, it, it makes no sense to raise the minimum wage in rural Oklahoma and ban them from buying guns when they live in the middle of nowhere. Why should the, the law for New York City be the same as this place? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. That's why we have the system we have. But it, now that everything's becoming like hyper federalized, what do we get? Republicans have to win at the federal level. Democrats have to win at the federal level. And we get to the point where both sides continually increase the rhetoric against the other. As they become more and more different and more and more opposed to each other's worldview, then hatred, fear, then eventually violence. So which brings me to this next story. Business Insider says, uh, according to Business Insider, Tucker Carlson mocks Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for thinking she might die during the Capitol riot in which five people died. You see how they do that headline? Look, I, 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 I can't speak to as, you know, to what Ocasio-Cortez is feeling or fearing. But we also have this story out from NBC where they said some Democrats think their colleagues want to kill them or will kill them or whatever. AOC said she narrowly escaped with her life or narrowly avoided death. She said that she wasn't sure if she, she should go into the secure chamber because these her colleagues may reveal her location. 
to the far right and white supremacists. And she literally calls members of Congress far right, white supremacists, white supremacist sympathizers. And that is insane. They're not. They're just Republicans. But that kind of rhetoric of the other being an evil villain, where they view them not as just a conservative, but as literally a white supremacist, and then saying she thinks she will die, is some of the most extreme rhetoric I've ever heard in my life. Why are they throwing around all the racial supremacy stuff? Because it's it's a tribal signal. Like, you know, it's you know, co- it's literally the coded language that the left has said the right uses nonstop, mm-hmm. except it, they're and some folks on the right use coded language, but they're very clearly using not even close to subtle language here. They're flatly calling someone a white supremacist. And I take, you know, as a Jew, if you tell me someone is a Nazi I'm going to have a slightly different response than the average person. And so when you call someone a white supremacist, I would argue, uh, especially because it's being done in bad faith, you are trying to incite violence. It's not merely trying to demonize the other side for political game, which is clearly their intent. I just don't think they're thinking it all the way through. You know, there's a, the, the, the right, many on the right will call the left communists or, you know, far Socialist. left or whatever, or socialists. And then... I see a lot of comments from actual leftists where they're like, you know, conservatives call Joe Biden far left. And that's absurd. And I'm like, that that absolutely is absurd. Joe Biden is establishment corporatist crony. He's not far left. But there's a big difference between saying Ocasio-Cortez is a socialist because she is. And her saying they're white supremacists. One of those is maybe hyperbolic. One of those is extreme bad faith meant to manipulate and lie. So I was thinking about this. I keep hearing about the double standard. I've reported on the double standard. The media will say the peaceful protests. The media will stand in front of a burning building and say, it's, it's, I, I, there's a fi- I know, I know about the fire, but it's mostly peaceful, right? And then you get one event with Trump supporters. I'm not talking about the Capitol. And they'll say violent extremists and terrorists, and they'll amp it up to, a, you know, you know, tenfold. And I, I was thinking about this. There's no point in acting like we should be shocked by this. It was uh, uh, Aris Rossino, so I'm probably pronouncing your name wrong. I would say that he wrote for Unheard that conservatives should stop whining about this. There's no debate anymore. The left does not care. You've got two sides that want their riders to be protected and want the other riders to be arrested, right? But I do think it's fair to point out conservatives are on the, are on the, on the, on the losing end of this because for too long, they didn't realize the game the left was playing. Democrats and leftists say, say this exact same thing of Republicans, but Republicans keep taking Democrats at their word every step of the way. Democrats don't. They'll come out and say these riots are the voice. Of, it's, this, it's the language of the unheard and that you have to understand their anger. And then if any Trump supporters come out and just stand on the cap on, on the steps of the Capitol building in Michigan, they scream terrorist. You're a terrorist. When, when you have far leftists marching, you actually get conservatives defending their right to free speech. Saying, well, you know, they have the right to speak. And then when they smash windows and burn buildings down, conservatives complain. And the left says nothing. So I was wondering myself, at what point will conservatives start to realize the left isn't playing by any rules? It's just manipulation of those who are unwilling to learn or have no idea what's going on. I think actually conservatives realized this a while ago without, you know, voting for Donald Trump, which which brings me back to. And you're saying voters, not politicians. Yeah, yeah. Like the, like the voters realized what was going on and said, give me Trump. And so I, I, there was a comment. Uh, we, had, we got a super chat a while ago where they said that when you have two factions and one is willing to use force to take what they want and the other isn't, 
well, then you just you'll have a conflict. But when both sides, when, when the other side decides they're going to start fighting back, then you have a war. Well, that's where we are now. Right. It's not it's not I'm not saying hot war in the sense of like literal like people marching on, yeah. a, battle, on a battlefront. I mean, you have Democrats who have been by any means necessary trying to take power. They, they literally say those words and Republicans kept acting like there was a fair game here. So the example is universal condemnation, conservatives and Democrat, Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals about over the Capitol riots. Black Lives Matter, only conservatives. There's clearly someone not here playing the game. And so as long as conservatives keep assuming that there's an actual game to be played, they'll keep losing. I, I think there's a calculation from Republicans that will be by allowing it to go on, the voters will get sick of it and connect the dots on their own. Or by pointing it out, they'll connect the dots and get sick of it and vote these people out. And I think the instincts there are correct. I think what was not calculated was the Trump effect, because Trump is very disruptive to the traditional way we have our leaders, how they act. He was by being so open on Twitter, for example, and I, I say this about him all the time where he is the most transparent president we've ever had because he just tweets his thoughts. But that makes him very vulnerable. That makes it very easy to go after him. It makes it very easy to say he is too disruptive. And then you've got someone like a Joe Biden. Because remember, when you had all the Democrats coming out, there were a whole bunch of people who were very, very, very far to the left and Joe Biden. Joe Biden was the one who came out. Because I think people instinctively understood that they didn't want to go very, very, very far because they did that once with Trump from a personality perspective, and it didn't turn out so well in their view. They wanted to calm things down. And so I do think, and we'll, we'll find this out in two years, did, is that the, was it Trump that got in the way of a Republican strategy to sort of sit back, point out all of the biases, point out the double standards, point out how crazy they are, and just let them yeah. hurt themselves. I think he did, because he would get on Twitter and be like, the far leftists are something, something, galvanizing this group of people and turning them into this faction. And, no. and he was the president, and he would say that there was a far left movement, and there wasn't. But then he helped create one well, the, the, by no, no, saying no, no, no. there's definitely a far left movement. I and, think and he Trump, got in the way. Trump it wasn't not, organized no, Trump until he started it, it, talking that's not about true. Them that, that's and, and giving not them true. something to all hate. Bro, you just didn't see it. It's been going on for a long, long time. Well, I was on the ground at Occupy Wall Street. I watched yeah. what these people were doing, and it was even before Occupy Wall I was Street. at Occupy. I wasn't a far-left extremist. Well, then you weren't paying attention to the facilitators. It was down with the Federal Reserve. Fixing yeah, no, the banking no, system. no, absolutely not, bro. The, the, well, the facilitators who took over were intersectional yeah, I, cultists. I saw that, dude. They owned I was told I couldn't speak because I was white. Exactly. They took it over. I watched this all happen. That was years before Trump. That was five years. Trump is not the cause of. Trump didn't turn people into this. He was, he's a symptom of what's happening. He just galvanized it. I don't think so. I think he's a manifestation of the anger people were experiencing. And that's why he's an imperfect avatar. He was just the guy who was there that people put their anger into. The system was broken. Their jobs were stripped away. Free trade took these things from them. No. And they saw the game wasn't being played fairly. Uh, yes, for the people who voted for him. And the one thing that we all have to remember is he did not win the popular vote, which I do think puts a little bit of a wrinkle in that argument because he won based on the electoral college vote and he narrowly. I mean, narrowly. And it was a smart strategy the way that he did it. And he definitely connected with those voters who felt exactly that way. But when we go from a popular vote perspective, we can't simply ignore that part for 
that explanation. And that's why I, I, I still think you throw him out. It, it was an anomaly election. It, yeah. it was. It, he is an anomaly candidate, which is why he didn't win a second time. I, I don't necessarily blame the pandemic. Uh, obviously, it did not help. I do think that when you have four years of media that goes after the guy on everything that he does, it does wear on people. And I do 74 think- million votes, the most of any sitting president. I think the contributing factor was the media was screaming. You turned on any news outlet except for Fox News, I guess. And just imagine Brian Sauter going ah, the whole time. And so finally, people are like, make it stop, make it stop. And then you got regular people who didn't care, were forced into the political world because of the covid lockdowns. They couldn't go out. They couldn't socialize. I know I know some people who, who have no business being in politics. They only tweet about it now. And I'm like, dude, you're 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 a, you're a mechanic. You've never talked this before in your life. And all of a sudden you're like the Democrat cheerleader. When the lockdowns happened, their normal communication was disrupted. Their, the normal things they cared about, the video games, the movies, the sports. So they go on social media where it's all politics all the time. And then you force people into this room where everyone's just screaming and then they beg it to stop and they vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, look, I 100% agree with people wanted a reset to calm things down. I think Trump would have won uh, if there was no COVID. If that didn't happen, obviously Trump would have won because we, we had Moody's analytics, mm-hmm. numerous polls, forecasters predicting a Trump victory off of standard metrics. When COVID hit, a few of them still predicted a Trump victory, but many of them backed away because the economy was in the gutter. And as they say, it's the economy, stupid. But I think the biggest factor was, and it's partly, uh, I think, it, well, I shouldn't say partly, I say in many ways, Trump's fault. Trump really went after the media. He made it very personal for them. Yeah. And he played to their egos and weaponized that. And that turned them against him to an extreme degree. Yeah. He did where, that to people, just common people, too. Well, because Trump was like, the media, it's lying, it's fake news. And he was constantly digging into them and, and going after them. They decided to make the fight personal. And so uh, John Stewart brought it up. He said Trump played, you know, these journalists are very egotistical. So when Trump called, you know, says something, they take it personally and go after I've him. honestly never seen a president be so antagonistic since Nixon. Nixon was hated the hippies and the Black Panther movement so bad, and they did impeach Nixon. You could argue that Obama was antagonistic to the right. He criticized, he was, he was saying a lot of similar things about Fox News. It was in a different that, way. Right. But yeah, He's, you're he right. Was, he in, wasn't in overtly like was. on Twitter right. being like those far right. There was no Twitter. Oh, yeah, there was Twitter with well, uh, at the time when, when Obama came in, Twitter was not prominent at all. But he wasn't fact, using his influence to like first, talk about the far right. This ever. is the first president to use Twitter throughout an entire term. And even though I think it's probably the wrong way to use it, we don't really know if it was the wrong way or not because yeah. he's the first person to do it. No, I think I think there's uh, I've talked to a lot of people throughout the past several years, and most of the regular people I've spoken to would say, you know, the, the ones that supported him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I voted for him, but I just wish he wouldn't tweet. Yeah. And then he would and people would roll their eyes. And th- that was it. He gave he gave so much fuel to the media to complain about. I mean, th- there, there were people, journalists whose job was to wait for their phone to buzz with a Trump tweet. People built careers being reply guys to Trump. Yep. And that kept the cycle going. If Trump just didn't tweet for one month and said nothing, the new cycle would be forced down. Their Twitter reply guys would be out of business, but Trump couldn't let it go. There's like a phenomenon where you become addicted to pain. I don't know if you guys have ever felt like you have like a sore shoulder. And then all of a sudden, one day you change your posture, your shoulder's not sore anymore, and you miss <laughs> tweaking it. So you go ahead and you tweak it again, and the soreness comes back. And you're like, oh, there's that familiar 
Have you guys ever done that? No. no. I'm, I'm alone in the room <laughs> here. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't I don't like it has a lot to do with posture. <laughs> like there's an addiction to, to feeling something, whether it's, it's, it's good or look, bad. And is, I think people felt like that with Trump's well, tweets. Trump, Trump would say something because the media would lie. And then he found his way to speak to the people directly. So then he would tweet out, that's not true. That's fake news. Then the people who don't actually care about Trump, these like these reply bots and reply guys, <laughs> Build a career off it. What happens is then they end up getting 700,000 followers, mm -hmm. building a community that's only shared interest is orange man bad, which creates the narrative and keeps it, per it, it, it fuels the hatred for Trump. Trump needed to, Trump should have done two things, left Twitter and went to Parler or Minds or any of these other platforms, maybe PocketNet, and then shut up for a little bit. He should have made a YouTube channel. He had one. He had one. Well, he yeah. we should have made daily video vlogs. Yep. That would that that would be amazing. Yeah. I think he shouldn't have said anything. He no, he overcommunicated. Yes, he did. That was his biggest yeah. issue. If you've got someone who is delivering, and this is COVID aside, you're killing it on the community in the economy. Just it, you're absolutely killing it from a conservative perspective. You are delivering on judges. You've got foreign policy decisions that generally are accepted by by folks on the right. People needed a reason to vote against that. Yep. And he would give it too often. Not always his fault, but he didn't. He, he made it too easy. I'm starting to think that a lot of politicians, a lot of people in the media are understanding that the more extreme you could make a situation, the more extreme language you could use, the more emotional ammunition you have. But they keep forgetting that this leads to also extreme actions and they don't really understand the full kind of ramifications behind it. And they're caught in this loop trying to get all the attention, trying to get all the clicks. And I would say, you know, Donald Trump, especially with some of his more bombastic st style, was, was also a part of that as much as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, I know people like to label these people as kind of populists. But also their strongest asset that that people believe that they're that makes them that makes people believe that they're populist, I believe, is also their Achilles heel, which should be understood in context here as well. I was just do you guys see that uh, picture of Kathy Griffin holding Trump's head beheaded? Yeah, all I'm bloody. Not familiar. Yeah. It just started is, being recycled. <laughs> Kathy Griffin, this comedian. And, and but I'll tell you just so if you don't know, look it up. Kathy Griffin, Trump's head. Uh, did a photo shoot where she was like, and she, she got, was like, in the middle of the shoot, she was like, let's just do this and held up Trump's bloody head as if that's not incitation to violence, like no, spinning it, things towards what they've become. It's and unhinged. she didn't get banned off Twitter. She got fired from CNN. Well, she didn't get banned off Twitter. And she had a mental breakdown and was like, my life is over. And she was crying and begging for her job back. Yeah. She went nuts. And then she doubled down later because her life's already destroyed. But like, Think about the level of psychosis on the left you have to get to before they actually do anything. She's still on Twitter after posting that, like you, like you were saying. On the right, you can say, learn to code, gone. Yeah. Like, that was really a, Insane. I mean, it, it was a free artistic expression, I suppose, to hold the president's head up all it bloody is. and beheaded. If you want to do it with Biden, would that be okay now? Well, I think someone already tried it with Biden it, and was taken down. Uh, yeah. If, Did they? Right? Did yeah, they? I'm not surprised. I remember hearing something. About I was that. surprised. It, it is free expression and it's also odious. Mm, there you go. Yeah. And it can, I think it contributed to like, to, to this Capitol riot. I think what we need now is the next person that needs to leave office is probably Ocasio Cortez because I think she might be one of the most high profile and bombastic politicians we have. I think she's very, very much like Trump. I mean, you look at the things we were she, she says that we were just talking about, where she's like, I narrowly escaped death. My colleagues are, are white supremacists who might kill me. It's like, dude, you're making it all worse. Calm down. 
Lauren Boebert is not a white supremacist. She's not going to hurt you. She's just a five foot tall woman who wants to have a gun. People have guns. Lots of them. Calm down. Yeah, but I mean, she, she is acting the way that you would expect someone that age to act on social media, that it's all Isn't about Lauren the Boebert you. the same age. Is she? Uh, I think she's a little bit older, actually. Yeah, she's got three boys. But still, like, they're both, you know, uh, I think, you know, AOC's in her early 30s, Lauren's in her mid-30s. She's a millennial, and and that's generally how millennials, not all millennials, that is generally (laughs) how millennials act on social media. So this idea that she's somehow, you know, against type, arguably, she's going... I, I don't care how she acts. The issue is, we need everybody to chill out. Yes. And start talking, and she is setting things on fire. And don't get me wrong. Trump did, too. I think she's very much like Trump. Okay, now Trump's been banned from everything, and they're all cheering for it. Okay, great. If if we're going to be banning people, then she's got to get banned, too, because she says inflammatory stuff. Now, the left defends her, and they'll be like, that's not true. Of course, and the right defends Trump. I don't care. Listen, you don't get to act like you are absolutely perfect. They can come out and say Trump's got to go because he's inflammatory, and simply by saying, remember this day, he's inciting violence. Okay. Well, then when AOC comes out and says Republicans are, are white supremacists who are going to kill me, what do you think is going to happen if she keeps saying that? When, when she keeps saying that? What about when she referred to the immigration centers as concentration camps and mm-hmm. double down? Ugh. I'm not, I'm not going to say she should be banned for that. Okay. What I'm saying is she's allowed to her opinions and I think she's crazy. But when you have people who are claiming Trump is the problem and she's doing basically the exact same thing, are you going to call her out next? No, they're not. They're going to defend her. Yeah, and, and a lot of this is the, the responsibility of the media because the, the truth of the matter is those of us who are on Twitter, uh, we are still few and far between who pay that close attention to most of this. Tucker Carlson, uh, most watched cable news show in history, is not reaching hundreds of millions of people, right? Mm-hmm. And so the average person, I don't think, is getting this information. They are aware of who she is. Because she's really good at building her brand. They probably have an opinion of her. But I bet you if you ask them some specific questions, probably couldn't answer them about her. And the same, I mean, we, we know about Donald Trump. You go to a college campus. We've all seen the stupid videos. You ask yeah. a bunch of questions and no one knows what they're doing. So I think that that's the average person. And so that's really on the media to sort of step up and start reporting this more. And it can't just be Fox News. It can't just be one-offs here and there. They have to actually commit to it. And they're just not going to. Tucker was the the biggest uh, show in cable until he came out against Sidney Powell or just questioned the evidence. And then his ratings got cut in half. And now Fox News is dead last. Isn't, is it, that, isn't that crazy? I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. What happened was when Fox News challenged Sidney Powell, Tucker Carlson was like, where's the evidence? And everybody fled. They went to OAN and Newsmax. So there's some diversification among conservative news channels. What it really reveals is that while Fox News may have been number one at the time, in terms of conservative content, it was dead last. Just because there was only one channel. One channel means all the conservatives go there. So you got ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, all these networks and their left perspective. There's substantially more viewers on the left perspective than the right. That's been that it's been that way for for a long time, except I think in talk radio. I don't think left has an equivalent of anything in talk radio. They tried and they failed uh, many times. There's there weird things. I, I think because you can get the content anywhere else. What do you mean? Uh, the left leaning and flat out left content you get it's everywhere, everywhere. Right, 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 right. And so that they did not get involved in the radio side early enough, they weren't able to really defeat 
what conservative talk radio has built. Now there's yeah. some there there are some exceptions to that around the country, right? In some of the YouTube. bigger cities. Yeah. Now with YouTube there's yeah. definite excep- exceptions. A lot of a lot of very big names doing political commentary and talk on the left. Yeah. So I mean actually I think it's a good thing that if 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 YouTube actually ends up allowing it. The problem is there are there there are elements in the left, groups like Media Matters, for instance, that will just pump out fake news and YouTube just says yes. So, you know, uh we 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 had a uh, Media Matters wrote about us recently claiming that because Jack Murphy, who was on the show, said Donald Trump gave concrete examples of voter fraud. He didn't say Donald Trump gave proof. He said examples of some. I believe that's what he said. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm getting wrong. They claimed that we were pushing disinformation and then demanded YouTube demonetize the content. So the, 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 the show is still monetized. But the fact that they're trying to go after us simply because we're talking about what Trump said is a, is, is a level of depravity you don't see from the right to the left. The right isn't going after the left and calling corporations to get them stripped and removed because they don't believe in it. Maybe the, you, they used to. The liberal right, they did, definitely did. media is more focused on the way things look that their that their listeners or their viewers uh their viewers actually learn by watching whereas conservative people learn by listening. And so that's why they're drawn to more radio and you see like Rachel Maddow with her her perfect posture and and done up hair and like it's all they call him the orange man like they're talking about the way he looks but so it's less about i think that's an interesting um observation that might be something to the way people learn maybe the left tries to claim that talk radio succeeded on the right because people on the right are dumb and just follow the leader and so you'd get a bill o'reilly or, or a conservative personality and then they would just you know cluck along following i don't think that's true i think that's actually the left the left turns on cnn and accepts it all as law as if it's true and then you can see how the guardians like my pillow guy pushes, you know, martial law when we don't even know what's on those papers. Like, we don't know why it says that. For all we know, it says invoking martial law in the event. And then the part that's missing says something happens would be really bad and we should never do that. We like, don't know what the remainder of that sentence was. It was all was. about what it looked like. Whereas like James right. O'Keefe, well, it's all about what you hear. Well, another element to really kind of comprehend here is that when someone is trying to silence people, they don't have the moral high ground. So when you have examples by Media Matters, we're also seeing other reports right now of uh, CNN, M- NBC News, New York Times trying to go after Signal and other encrypting messaging apps. When we see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking about we need to ban Parler, we need to put people on list, we need to censor the internet, we need to rein in the media, we're seeing individuals who are so scared of ideas, of them being challenged with just words, sounds, that they have to punitively silence and make sure that those ideas don't even get discussed or even thought about. They're at such a point in in, in their life where they want to control what you can even think. So when you're coming from that point of view and you're surrounding yourself with the the biggest apparatuses of the police state, when just a couple weeks ago, you were totally apprehensive against the police state. Now they're surrounding themselves with... What is it? 25,000 armed troops that have shoot to kill orders that are transferring Washington, D.C. into a fortress. When you have th- those kind of larger institutional powers fomenting themselves, fortifying themselves in, you really have something to, to worry about and consider moving forward. That, that's why I said they're not playing by any rule set. No. They're just like, oh, the cops are all bad. And then once the cops start arresting Trump supporters, are like the cops are our friends. Well, it's a, you really don't want to 
do violence against the government. I think it's an example of why, because it freaks out the politicians and then they surround themselves with 25,000 shoot to kill cops. Yeah, well, well, it depends who's anyway. committing, who's committing the violence, who, what, what political cause is behind the, the violence people that storm the Capitol. Uh, uh, that's about. one example, but there's other examples of, of entire police departments being sieged. There was, there was other events of, of buildings being lit on fire Which with has. people inside of them. There was other events where people got shot and killed, uh, during the middle of protest, uh, just a couple of weeks ago that I would say that that's political violence. It's, it's like municipal there was political violence. violence. The only problem is it was called out by the right wingers when it was happening on the left. But when it's happening on the right, it's called out by right wingers yeah. and left wingers, rightfully so. But it should always be called out because when you use violence politically, everyone yep. loses and you're destroying the dialogue that could prevent it. There are, there are some people who would prefer to live in a Mad Max style world. Like there, some, there are some people that want to watch the world burn. And there are some people that genuinely believe if I can't have it, no one can. And they'd rather burn it all to the ground than lose the fight. That's crazy. I don't think that's true. That people believe that? Not, that I don't there think are they some really, people. I'm maybe just, they fantasize. A, I don't think any, who would want to destroy saying, I'm not the saying, world? Sociopath. I'm not saying the, the majority, but they exist. It's not about destroying the world. Do you know people like that? Have you, have, like, have you been reading the news and following social media? Well, you hear like, like uh, have you met people? what do you call it? Like um, hyperbole. But I've people, never met anyone like that. The, if you, the, the way I describe it is when you open Twitter, just picture a guy screaming at the top of his lungs. That's what Twitter is. You scroll, scroll through everyone. Like, ah! There are people on the left and the right. There are people on the right who are saying they will not. There, there was a voicemail left. This guy got arrested. Leaving a voicemail saying that they will never allow a Democrat to go into these buildings and that they would do some really, really bad things. I can't repeat. Do you know what happens if there's an actual civil war? It is look at look at Aleppo. You, you guys ever see the photos of before and after in Aleppo? It's, it's yeah. a town in Syria. Beautiful city. After the war, rubble and death. Dude, if there was a real civil war, they would be targeting laser targeted drone strikes on houses. Like they know where you live. Do no. not go to war with the U.S. government. It's it's it's, it's not about the U.S. Do not government. go to a war civil... with the far left because the U.S. government is backing them. A civil war is two factions fighting over control of one government, or in some definitions factions trying to leave or split a government it's not like there's three factions there's the establishment and the populist left and the populist right we don't exactly know what's going to happen but elements of the military and elements of law enforcement are being split among the, the left tribe and the right tribe lines so it's not going to be laser drone strikes it's going to be it would literally be military fighting military or people just fighting people but I also think we need to consider when we talk about this is the generations of warfare. We're not in the, you know, look, we don't fight with swords anymore. We don't fight with bows and arrows. I mean, I guess you still kind of could use a compound bow in warfare. It's probably effective in certain guerrilla war, ta war tactics. But for the most part, war changes. You know, I, I love that saying from Fallout, the video game, war never changes. It actually changes a whole lot. The okay? weapons change, but the we war used, stays the same. We used same. to hit each other with fists, then rocks. Then we, we made swords and clubs. It, then we got horses, then we got, you know, guns, then we got missiles, and then we've escalated over and over again, and now we're in propaganda and information warfare. So the point I'm trying to make is I see the comments on social media from people who are saying they would rather conflict, chaos, blown up buildings and all that if it means they don't give up and, the, and, 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 they, and you know, their ideology persists or whatever. That's why it's so important to push back non-violently. Yeah. I mean, the whole even talking about civil war makes me uncomfortable because it does, I think, inspire some yeah. of the crazies. And they do exist. I, I, I don't th – I, I agree. Like, they're not – 
the largest sum by any means. It's probably less than a half of a percentage point, but they do cause a lot of the problems. And so we have to figure out a way to address it. And I think it is condemning it. Well, most of the people calling for it have never really seen conflict. When you look at a lot of people who did see warfare, who saw people trying to kill each other and saw people die, that's the last thing that they want. They're haunted by it. They have PTSD. And a lot of these vocal, you know, proponents, a lot of these most violent voices or voices that have never been in combat don't even know what it is. And it needs to be called out because, again, we all lose once that happens. Well, and and stop talking about things as as if we're currently in a war, because we usually hear some of that on the left, and it's coming from the anti-cop folks who are claiming we're at war with the police. They're shooting us in the middle of the street. It's like, no, we, we can have reasonable conversations about police reform if you'd like, but let's not pretend that cops are just roaming the streets of whatever city you're in, and they're just randomly shooting people. That's obviously not happening. So when people talk like that, it does, again, it's sort of that self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I feel like they're pushing in a direction where... We shouldn't want to go. They're not doing it for that purpose. They're doing it to win arguments, well, this, but this, it's dangerous. This, this is my criticism of AOC. You know, we, we yeah. can criticize Trump for his, you know, bombastic nature. But what AOC is saying right now is absolutely inflaming everything. I've been saying for the past, you know, a couple of weeks now, we everyone needs to calm down, meditate, go read a book, go out in nature, stay with your loved ones. And even a month or two before that, stay home, make money. That was something Mike Cernovich said, and I agreed with. Like, now's the time to, for everyone, everyone to chill. But there's a reality to this. I, I know a lot of people don't like hearing the phrase civil war, but what would you call it when you have escalating street battles for several years? One one group, one partisan group using every legal apparatus at their disposal to remove the president, ultimately now still trying to. And then it, it culminates with a year of mass rioting across the country defended by one by proponents of one political faction. Now you have. Proponents of one other political faction storming the U.S. Capitol building. So what, you know, I think we're absolutely on that ground. It's certainly conflict. We're definitely not civil war. We're at a cultural war, right? And there is 100% there's violence. When when would it be a civil war? A civil war would be a little bit more uh, engaged with both sides. I mean, we should not pretend that both the right and the left are doing it at, at equal levels as far as, you know, manpower, for example. And we're not seeing it widespread on both sides. And I do think that that is a part of the issue. And there's also, there's, I don't know if we could say that there is an ideal yet that both sides are fighting for versus a person they're fighting against. I think there's certainly elements definitely on the left where they've got ideas that they're fighting for. Uh, on the right, I, I don't know that yet. Well, they're fighting against... They're England. fighting against other ideas, potentially. Yeah. But again, the fighting is not really happening here's, from the right. Here's the main issue. I'll, I'll put it this way, as I've often put it. If this does develop into full into full scale hot conflict, then in 50 years, they will describe the moments of January 6 as well into the Civil War, meaning we, we can go way back to the Berkeley riots where, you know, Antifa showed up and were, were bashing old Trump supporters and throwing explosives at them. So when I saw that stuff, I say I, I usually say it like this. If everything were to stop right now and deescalate, people would say there wasn't a civil war. If it does continue to escalate, then we are absolutely in a civil war mm-hmm. right now. One faction just stormed the Capitol with the misguided and rather absurd attempt at some kind of shutting down 
of the of the electoral vote count process. The people are saying it on, on, on these videos that are getting released now. More and more videos are coming out. And they're saying things like, where's the count happening? You know, we, there's only one of them. Or there's, it's only one person. We can stop them. There's thousands of us. One video where a lady's giving instructions about where the Senate chambers are and how to get there. If you get to the point where you have a political faction storming into the Capitol building to subvert the you know, political process, that's literally the borderline definition of what civil war is. If it's inspired by delusion, do you count it as civil yes, war? Yes, because everybody thinks their dictator is right. Everybody thinks their leader is the is the glorious leader. You look at things that would happen. Like, you look at what happened, and I'll, I'll tell you the the main, the main difference. The difference between the rise of dictatorship and a civil war is whether or not one side is armed and prepared to fight back. So you look at communist China. The, the communists just abused and obliterated and murdered and, and destroyed. You look at World War II Germany. There was a lot of fight fighting between factions in Weimar Germany. But ultimately, the communist socialists fled because the legal system, uh, at least to a certain degree, I'm reading now, many of these you know, people in, in, in government really liked them. They, they prefer the Nazi party over the communists. If you come now to where we're at now, it could possibly be there won't be a civil war. Because the left controls the cultural establishment and, uh, you know, basically the entirety of the federal government, except for the, you know, uh, Supreme Court for now. If it just goes that direction and conservatives just eventually get steamrolled, then no one's going to call it a civil war. Now, now, Jason, I would agree with you. We're not in, you know, a civil war. A lot of people use that kind of language hyperbolically to also get clicks. We have to understand that. But we have to understand uh, the future wars are, are fought not with bullets, tanks, or guns. They're fought with subversion, indoctrination, influence. And when we look at the term fifth generational warfare, I think there is something to consider about what is happening culturally, what is happening through social media, what is happening on the mainstream media, on Hollywood, that is having an effect that in, in part is leading to, I believe, a larger conflict Maybe it's a conflict of ideas, but those ideas are paramount when it comes to the future of our children, the future of this country, and them turning out to be individuals that are self-harming, self-defeating, mm-hmm. and, and, and people who, you know, destroy themselves internally through their bad actions that are promoted. So that's something also to kind of largely consider here. And if you were a strategic kind of enemy, what would you rather do? Would you rather have a hot war where you have, where there's blood, where there's gore, there's, there's so much violence, or would you rather have a war where you don't even have to shoot a gun? So, so that's something also so I, worth considering. I have the University of San Diego uh, art, uh, article from Dr. Wasim Ahmad Qureshi, Fourth and Fifth Generation Warfare, Technology and Perceptions. And they basically talk about in, in fourth generational warfare, it's, it's the blurring of lines between politics and, you know, uh, uh, and conflict and civilians. So a lot of people describe what we've been going through as fourth generational war because of the low intensity conflict and violence. Things like Antifa smashing windows, burning things down, spray painting, you know, things about liberals. But what we're actually fully entrenched in is coming off of fourth generational warfare and moving heavily into fifth generational warfare. So fifth generational warfare is manipulation, perception, information, propaganda, etc. Like Luke was just saying, there was a reason why in the past you used force against somebody because you had no other means to gain control of a region or a group of people or a resource. Today, it's extremely easy. Propaganda and manipulation. That's why TikTok is so dangerous controlled by Chinese interests and influencing our young people, telling them what to think and feel and what to do. And it works. So right now you have online 
one side clearly losing in every respect. They're losing physical fights. Now, don't get me wrong. The Proud Boys, you know, have beaten up Antifa pretty badly, and some of them have gone to prison for it. But if you look at the amount of damage Antifa has done and Black Lives Matter has done, they've caused massive damage across this country. While symbolically storming the Capitol was probably the worst thing we've seen yet, there's way more institutional and, and damage to the general public of this country caused by the left and Black Lives Matter. So in terms of how much we are seeing the left push substantially more. 80, 20, 80% of the, of the pushing in the conflict is coming from the left. Cultural institutions, including news media, almost entirely dominated by the left right now. They frame everything as though the right is bad. The right being banned left and right. And all they do is beg their establishment conservative, you know, or establishment Republicans to re- repeal 230 or something, which never happens and won't happen. So ultimately what happens is, In my opinion, Republican politicians are too stupid to realize what's happening around them. And thus, they're now having their constituents purged. They will no longer be able to win a battle of ideas in the fifth generational conflict because they sat back and sat on their hands and did nothing. The left was fighting a fifth generational war while conservatives were just sitting there saying like, well, now let's have a conversation about it. When you nationalize elections. Well, but when you look at the House results, for example, I mean, the Democrats were supposed to win a whole bunch of House seats and they didn't. Quite the opposite. And I think that, you know, that goes to certainly the rural versus urban city divide. And it's definitely a right versus left at that point. But I do think the closer you get to the people in most of the country, the Republicans tend to do better when facing the crazy on the left. Now, when it's both moderates going or perceived as moderates going up against each other, then it really is. That's local but politics. Think, but think about AOC saying they're all white supremacists and Nazis and then raising millions of dollars and getting 12 million followers. Lies work. And the conservatives aren't playing on the same battlefield. They're getting wiped out. Kind of reminds me of the 60s. Like uh, Nixon had the, the, well, Lyndon B. Johnson had the, the left of the 60s was like the military industrial complex using the media. And back then they had just television and they used it to manipulate. They had Project Mockingbird that was like the CIA was paying and, and extorting these media companies to pass their lies and manipulation. And the hippies and the Black Panthers were just subverted and they were totally pressed and beaten down, kind of like you would say the right is being right now. They were organizing, but they couldn't contend with that media. And I just read 40 people died in the civil rights movement, 41 people. So it was we would never call that a civil war ever. No one's ever even thought to I've never even thought to refer to that era as a civil war. It was just unrest. It was like what we're going through now. I, that's what I see now. Yeah, but I, I I guess that was still remnants of the actual civil war. You still had the Democrats, for the most part, up until a certain point, being the party of the Klan and Jim Crow and the racists. So it was almost like it never ended. This is the crazy thing. You know, I just I, I watching that new movie that just came out. Have you seen it? News of the World? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? No. Uh, I watched about half of it so far. And it's, it's good. you don't you didn't like it? Uh. Well, I'm halfway through and I'm entertained. I'm not going to pretend it's the greatest movie in the world, but it's interesting because uh, Tom Hanks, he's, he plays a, a former Confederate soldier in Texas, and you've got Union soldiers in Texas, and you can hear the rhetoric from the, the, the local you know, Southerners, how they feel about the North and what really drives their anger. And it's interesting to see this movie highlight these people are saying rich Northerners trying to force us, you know, t- tell us how we have to live and what we have to do. Obviously, Civil War was very much about slavery. But there was a, a, a big element of that's not too dissimilar to what's happening today. But anyway, I, I, what, what, the reason I bring it up is in some ways, the Civil War never ended. 
you know, this is the crazy thing. Reconstruction, and, uh, Reconstruction ended in 1876 when there was this hotly contested uh, uh, battle over the presidency and opposing electors were sent to D.C. and they didn't know what to do. So they elected a panel to just basically negotiate what was going to happen to avoid the outbreak of the Civil War again. And what they decided basically was to end Reconstruction and they would give the Republican the presidency. From there, you ended up with the Klan. These elements still existed. They still fought. It made its way into the civil rights movement. And now we have something weird and different, but it's still the tribes and the cultures are so dramatically different in these big cities in California, in New York, in Chicago versus in southern cities and southern states. But more importantly, the urban versus rural divide is extremely profound and dramatic. And you've got, because of the Internet, the ideological split becoming more and more extreme. Maybe the reality is there's elements of what this country went through that never went away and it constantly keep getting seeded in some fashion in different ways. Or maybe it's just this country is way too big and people in different states want to live in different ways. So someone in New York trying to pass a law on how people in West Virginia got to live, that's not going to fly with people in West Virginia. They're like, I mean, that's a whole guiding principle behind states' rights. But it's being ripped away. It, it, it is, but that's why we have elections, and I, I, I don't believe that these elections are uh, a lost cause for Republicans. I think in two years, we're going to see that shift, and historically, we tend to. Well, I think in two years, the Republicans are going to be much more progressive. Well, another thing to kind of realize here, that the base of the Republicans is being wiped out, whether through opioids, obesity, self-hate, suicide, self-harm. The flyover states are affected by those things more than a lot of the city areas. And when you look at the, the base, it, they're slowly but surely killing themselves off in many instances, especially with the high suicide rates. So that's also I, I something kinda, to consider. I kind of like to think they're actually being strangled out by these these trade agreements set up by namely Democrats, where they took many of these manufacturing plants and sent them overseas. Trump was one of the reasons why. Oh, no, actually, I should, I should stop there and say the Koch brothers and Republicans were very much in favor for a long time as well. I think that's why you get Donald Trump, because he said to these people in these in these places where the factories had been ripped away, I'm going to renegotiate for you. I'm going to fix this problem. That's what people wanted. So I look at a lot of these towns. I've been, I, I spent a lot of time looking at dying towns because I was thinking of like, where could we move and set up a studio with good internet that actually has some infrastructure? And it's, it's sad to see. I, I read about a bunch of different cities in, you know, in middle America that were once thriving and the factory got sent to Mexico, factory got sent to China and now their population's in rapid decline. People are dying when people have no purpose is when they die. I was reading there, there's a documentary on blue zones, people who live over 100 in like high numbers. And one of the things they mentioned is that when people retire, that's like the most likely time of death for a person is it right after they retire because they no longer have a purpose. They're not doing anything. They're wasting away. So what we've seen with COVID, especially people sitting at home, they're, they're just wasting away. They're getting out of shape. Their blood is getting really bad. And they're like, you know, atrophying, getting depressed, a lot of suicides. So, you know, I don't know. Long story short. I grew up outside of Akron. It was a depressing hellhole. Uh, it was like a rubber, the rubber boom in the fifties. Goodyear was founded in Akron. And then after they stopped, uh, porting all that rubber out the city, everyone just moved out. So I grew up in that like excavated shell of a, of a, no, it wasn't a megalopolis, but it was a huge city in the 50s. But, and man, was it depressing. Yeah, but what we're seeing right now is some of those big progressive cities are starting to die. They're, they're not dying the uh, quick death 
uh, that some people are saying, but they are starting to show signs of that kind of decay. When you look at Seattle and San Francisco, New York, just looking at the homeless population, the opioid epidemic, it, Dude, it is out of control. Even the little towns like Cuyahoga Falls, so, where I'm from, the opioids are. From what I, I'm not there, so I don't. I'm not seeing it. And I graduated high school and left the city when, you know, in the in the 90s. So it hadn't struck yet. It was after we we invaded Afghanistan that we really started bringing all that poppy in and making so, all the heroin well, for I, the uh, what do they call oxycodone and stuff. And now the kids are getting pills off the street. Or without a prescription, and apparently it's just well, so, so, that so city. Here's my question for I you, mean, Jason. Uh, why hyperbole. is it that every single generation in the past hundred years has been further left than the previous? I, I, why I think, do you think? Uh, my assumption is they think they have to be, because especially the way that we frame it, right? We have to be progressive. We have to move forward. And you see a problem, and so, okay, we haven't evolved enough. And they've been told that the only way to evolve is to change your way of thinking. Not go back, but go forward. And that's the only place that they can go. I do think that there is a, a but, heavy... But, but what does forward mean? Forward means to them not going back to the way things might have been. And when you're talking about policies around homelessness and crime, certainly from a progressive point of view, going back is not where they want to go because they say that there are, well, now you're uh, criminalizing uh, poverty and they use those kinds of terms. And I do think that people are susceptible to that way of thinking and they feel bad about it. They don't want it. And so they're willing to give a progressive a shot at that next great progressive thing that will cure whatever the well, city why, is problem. But why, why do conservatives do it? Why, why is it that a conservative will in five years, become much more liberal or progressive? I don't know if I believe that. I think it depends on where you're talking Look about. Look at Donald Trump, Republican president. Uh, the 90% of the Republican Party supports him, and he's the first president to support gay marriage before entering office. Yes, I do think that societally, you're going to have shifts in opinions, and, and that's always going to happen. And that I don't necessarily view as a right versus left issue. It was until it wasn't. And when it wasn't, it became a societal shift. It was no longer about politics. And that's well, going to happen. Th there are things that conservatives are looking at that I think are right on. And I think that progressives might start to make the move. I think you're starting to see a lot of that in some of the cities when dealing with crime and homelessness, for there, example. We, we may see liberals and Democrats become more in favor of gun rights, considering many of them are now gun owners, especially yeah. this year. We're not seeing it yet. but when it takes time. But when you look at the policies of what Democrats, liberals, progressives propose, eventually Republicans give in and adopt those policies. So again, sometimes it, it depends on where you live. It really does. I mean, the thing about Donald Trump was, and we heard this from the beginning, he's not really a conservative. He identified with the conservatives because he thought he could win that way. And then, of course, we have the people who voted for him, not necessarily because of his conservative bona fides, right? They did it because of what he stood for. They liked what he stood for. He certainly delivered on some key conservative issues. And I point to a point, although I don't necessarily think it was him, but it's the federal judges being appointed, which has a significant, significant impact on the ways our laws are interpreted and enforced in this country. And I think that's how he's going to be remembered without being actively remembered. That's going to be his impact. And so I think that we have enough checks and balances to to stop some of that stuff, that sort of shift too far to one side. Now, you it, it can change. You pack the court, that does 
significantly change things. Do they have the votes right now? No, they don't appear to have the votes right now. Could they in another election? Yes, which is why a smart Republican Party will really nail down the focus. And I think it's easier to focus on the issues when you don't have a candidate or a sitting president who makes it all about him, like an AOC makes it all about her. Right. Yeah, there's some a lot of people are saying that at, whenever a party gains too much power and starts enacting everything they want, it freaks out moderates and the other side into action and then they vote and then we see this, you know, kind of back and forth. Is the Obama shellacking? Yeah. I mean, that is a perfect example of that. You, you had all this control. You had all this power. People didn't want it. People did not want it. And even this time around, again, slightly different. We consider this a little bit of an anomaly to, uh, as well because we're in the middle of a pandemic. We decided to shift to mail-in voting, uh, which I actually like. I don't like the way that it was done necessarily, but I'm a fan of mail-in voting if you do it correctly and you set it up and you actually spend time to make sure it's secure and can't be beat. I, I like that. That shifts things around, and Republicans need to do a better job about changing the uh, the way we talk about it. Donald Trump killed his candidacy, his his reelection, by going so hard after mail in voting. It, it was such a stupid strategy. I get why he did well, he it. He flip flopped on it too. He 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 flip flops too much. Yeah. But on this, it hurt him so oh. bad. And it hurt in Georgia as well. Because when you look at some of the numbers, it was small, the amount of Republicans who decided that they just were not going to vote or they were turned off by all this stuff. It was small, but it was enough to deliver the Senate to to the Democrats. That was winnable. So if Republicans maintain control of the Senate, this conversation wouldn't happen in the same way. Right. Some of the themes would come up. So it, it was one election, one time, doesn't necessarily portend things to come. It could, right? It absolutely could. I'm just not sure, given the circumstances in which all of this went down and the people involved, I'm not sure it will again. Or at least that's what I tell myself so I don't cry. Yeah. Well, another thing, I, I want to go back to what you said about the cities and, and them failing. We also have to understand they now have institutional support. Joe Biden is going to be bailing them out in the billions of dollars. The flyover states, the Republican states, they don't have a support base. They don't have any kind of institutional thing that, that helps them not be downtrodden. And I think they're going to be downtrodden more in the future. I, I don't know if I believe that yet. We will see when you look at Joe Manchin and how he supports what he ends up. So I know he's kind of all over the place sometimes, but he just said he was, he's a no on $2,000 check so let's see if he, he flips and maybe you will you have cinema uh who could switch things up too I, i'm not a hundred percent ready to go there because i i don't think that they have the votes yet unless they switch the way that they have to get the uh, two-thirds majority that that is completely different and that does completely shift things but even then, I'm not even so sure that they can do that. I mean, again, well, it's politicians in, it's in, act— it's in Biden's $1.9 trillion budget. Yeah. So I thought I've, it was 1.2. Yeah. Did they change that to 1.9? I think 1. it's 1.9. 1. 1. 9. Yeah. I thought yeah, 1.92. Yeah. Print, print, print. Money, print, go burr. <laughs> yeah. Get, so, yeah. Sorry, I, I cut you off. Sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say, let, let's see where it goes, because politicians are political. Yeah. At the end of the day, right they, they look at where well, they go— and why they take these positions. Why don't we ask you guys what you think and jump over to Super Chats yes. to see what people are, are talking about. Make sure you smash that like button if you want to support the show. And don't forget to become a member over at TimCast.com. We're really trying hard to get a core base of members, get access to members-only content, get access to private events that we'll have at our studio venue. And it's because censorship is here. The purge is here. Twitter announced, what is it, 70,000 accounts 
were banned. So I'm kind of like, maybe we should focus on creating something different off of these big tech platforms. So again, TimCast.com, become a member. We already have an exclusive uh, uh, segment up with Richie McGinnis, the journalist who was defamed by the New York Times. They accuse him of being a rioter and a right-wing journalist when they eventually tried to correct. Interesting stuff, but let's read some Super Chats. All right, we got Eric Douglas says, people should read That Hideous Strength by C.S. Lewis a book even more prophetic than 1984 that deals with the subject of scientific authorism. Interesting. David Jones says, everyone email Trump to pardon Julian Assange. Yeah, what do you think about that? Do you think Trump will do it? Do you think, do you think he should? I don't think he's focused on anything right now other than what's going on with him and this exit on uh, the 20th. Yeah, is he I doing honestly some don't... Like, big military event for himself? I, I, the report I heard today was he's literally just leaving, uh, on, on, the, on Wednesday, the morning, I think Wednesday morning, Mar-a-Lago. yeah, he's just gone. Well, I don't know. I got a random text message from someone claiming that their brother's niece, you know, what, does that make sense? Their brother's niece. Yeah. No, that's their kid. Their cousin's best friend's niece said that Trump is going to, uh, invoke an executive order and then, uh, become super president. I my roommate knows him. No. <laughs> Said Super the same president. thing. Oh my gosh! A little known uh, provision in the Constitution, Section Forty Three, Article Seventy One, about becoming Super President. Cool. Yes, it must have been overlooked by these scholars. It's written in magic marker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sharpie, anonymous says, "Do you think the censorship of social media is more related to platform globalization? It's not about the First Amendment to them. It's one code, one platform. The strictest policy is the rule to save money." They literally said that to me. That's what Jack Dorsey and Vijay Gaudi said. They said, our rule base is a, is a global standard for our global audience. So they're like basically saying, we don't care about you and your rights. We're just trying to make the lowest common denominator standard to make money on the, around the world. Let's see. What is this? Gaku says, Mines was given a 24-hour notice by Google, so they had to gut their app on the Play Store. If you would like to join the exodus from the cartel, download the app from the Mines website. Is that true? Did you, it is true. If that happened in the last 48 hours, I didn't hear yeah, anything Bill about it. Yeah, Bill said it. I saw something about really? it. Really? I did. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Yeah, Bill Bill Ottman said something about it. I saw somebody took a screenshot from Mines and posted it to Twitter. Wow. Yeah, I never tend to touch it. It's because we were promoting them. It happened like two years ago. Are you sure it wasn't from that? No, yeah. it was from today, I think. Are you positive? Why don't you check? Because yeah, that happened a while check. ago and Bill talked about it. Yeah, if, but if they're okay. banning what we're promoting, we really need to promote CNN. And the Federal Reserve. the most trusted name in news. They're doing an awesome, (laughs) great job. Congratulations, Mr. Cooper. (laughs) Great job. MSNBC, also really good. Yes, awesome. Awesome. Fabulous work. Do not promote me. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Grip says, yeah, rants. There you go. Yes, correct. (laughs) Jonathan Galtarini says, I love you. Not in that way. True journalism is alive and well through people like you. Have fun, everyone. Well, if you agree with Jonathan, TimCast.com, become a member. We are, uh, I'm going to let everybody in a secret. In our first members only segment, we swear a lot. Good. That's kind of a warning because your kids might be around. Did you swear to God? No, no, we're just swearing. It was funny because in the, while we're recording, Richie swore and it's like, oh, I can't swear. I'm like, yes, you can. You can. You can swear now. Yes, that's so rich. That's the beauty of getting away from these censorious Do you like that more? That freedom? Well, I don't care to swear. You know, I did swear because it was funny. It was like, that was the joke. I started started cussing. Um, But... Yeah, man. You know, there's a name I can't say on YouTube, a name of a politically conse- uh, consequential individual. So nobody say it if you know the name. We'll get banned instantly. Someone watching YouTube right now will turn this stream off if I say two words. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I confirmed it. 
Yeah, it's from like today. Yeah. Uh, at the time that the screenshot was taken because it was on Minds, it was 28 minutes ago. It says, alert. This is from Bill Ottman. Google Play sent Minds a 24-hour warning. Our response app was accepted into the store based on our interim solution and Ninja developers, but we had to remove major functionality from the version of this app. So they did have to gut their app to keep it in wow. the store. Well, we'll talk to we'll, this weekend. Yeah, we'll reach out to because we, yeah, we all know Bill. And uh, we had him on the show recently. We'll, we'll figure out what, what, what's going on. All right, let's see. Gone Fall says, my pillow guy used to be a crack addict, didn't think he could make it, broke through the addiction. Trump helped him further his career. It makes sense. The my pillow guy is fighting for him every step. I believe it. That's yeah. a, I mean, it's a tremendous story. And I got to be honest, I like the my pillow. Yeah, I, I, I kind of do too. So yeah. people either love it or hate it. In my I, experience, I, I liked fantastic. it. Yeah, yeah, I have it's, one. It's, I, I really, really like I it. You, I, you know what I think? You need a regular pillow and a my pillow, and I put the my pillow on top of the regular pillow. I was at Walmart and I saw it, and I was like, I'm gonna get one of these because I see that guy on the TV all the time. And it's uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Do you need to spend was it 50 bucks for a pillow? Oh. I kind of don't think so, but I do like it. You know what I mean? So I just got well. a customized pillow after filling out a quiz that I'm sure was just nonsense, <laughs> and I paid an obscene amount of money for it, and I love it. I yeah. hate memory foam. Hate it. So awful. I generally agree. It depends on the. It's got to be. More, it's got to be a hybrid. It can't just be memory yeah. foam. Uh, are we going to do a whole segment dedicated to yes. pillow talk? Yeah, can we just talk, talk for a moment talk, about talk. the fact oh God, that? No. And, and I was one of them. I spent an ungodly amount of money on a uh, one of those pillows from the brand that we all know. I won't name them, and it hurt my neck huh. so bad. Memory foam. Yes. Yes, yeah. me too. And I kept it because I spent one hundred and ten dollars right. on it. Cost, I knew. I knew somebody. Yes. <laughs> I knew somebody who had a memory foam pillow, and I was like, "Oh, I'll sleep with this." And I woke up, my neck was stiff, and I couldn't it move. Hurt so much. And I was like, "I just, I just, I'm, I would rather sleep on the floor." That's so weird. I love memory foam. Ugh. Hey, I, I just like read it. a little bit more about the mind censorship yeah. on Google. It says that they had to remove search, uh, discovery, and comments what? from the new app. Comments. Pro- comments, because probably because they couldn't police all the comments. Wow. It was too what? risky. But Twitter is on the Google app. But it's Twitter. nothing but comments. But, but Twitter. I know. Yeah. I know. Wow. Lots of crazy, probably violative stuff on Twitter. I don't want to assume. Wow, we can't man. even describe what's on Facebook Twitter. Facebook is yeah. nothing but comments. Facebook is where the, the, the writers actually organized. That's nuts, man. This is this is this monopolistic BS, dude. It, it's so funny because there are I, I could send was Cheryl Sandberg. I could send her the links to all the Facebook groups in the Pacific Northwest by Antifa and show them the promotion of their events and then link them directly to news stories about the violence at said event. Yeah, and, but, but we didn't do anything. We're, we're well, Google, there. yeah, Google won't take them down. It's yeah. it's all it's all a big club, and you ain't in it. Daniel Maxwell says, "Scary thought." There is a faction within our government that actually wants to start a civil war, believing that they will have control over military forces, allowing them to win fast and impose a form of government of their choice on the country. <laughs> well, I want to clarify, it's a scary thought. It's, it's yeah, not it's a, a fantasy, a, a weird one. Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of silly you know, ideas we entertain sometimes. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's a lot of conspiracy theories who think Trump secretly put the National Guard there or whatever. But uh, it's not a view I prescribe to. Matt M says a peaceful separation isn't practical because rural and red rural red parts and blue states would uh, would want to also break away and blue states would lose their bread baskets and have less control of their food supply. Right. That's that's why, you know, when heaven. STFU FFS says pocket net sounds like the old P2P sharing tech. Isn't that crazy? When we used to have like Kazaa and like Morpheus. Oh, I love that stuff. LimeWire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember the thing? It was like. 
I think it was Huzzah. What, Morpheus. Remember that? Yeah. Morpheus was a good one. But they were all the same. They thing. were, but the different interface and right. had a better logo. Morpheus had right. a better logo. <laughs> what was the first one that Metallica was it went Lime after? Wire? No, it was before LimeWire. Oh, Napster. Napster. Yeah, Napster. Yeah, yeah, but that was just MP3s. Oh man, those were the days. These old, yeah. like you so download fun. it and you could download anything. Mm. Literally, you search for it. Somebody had it. What? A, that was the, one of the greatest you breakthroughs that, of the like, internet. They don't do that now. For what exists, you can find anything now. Pirate no, Bay. no, no. Well, maybe, but I'm talking like, so there's an old, uh, I'll tell you what, if you can find this, ladies and gentlemen, then uh, I will be eternally grateful. So when I, was, when I was a kid, my mom got Sound Blaster for our uh, computer. You know, Sound Blaster. Yeah, is. Sound Card. Sound Blaster. And we had the speakers and we were like, yeah. And it came with a demo disc that had Heretic, Descent, Doom, and I can't remember the fourth game. How, what did it play like? Uh, what do you mean? Like, what was the game like? I don't remember. I, I only remember the three. Oh, I, I, remember I bet someone can figure that out. I tried looking for it. Was it all on one disc? It was one disc. Whoa. It was a demo disc from Sound Blaster with, with a demo of Doom, Heretic, and Descent. And there maybe, I think, was one more game I don't remember. Dude, Descent was hilarious. And I looked up old archives. I can't find it. Huh. Back my, in the day of Kazaa and Morpheus, you'd find it in two seconds. My buddy sold like 20 dual lands for Descent. Descent was yeah, a fun went, game. So all those duels are like five bucks each at the time. Magic cards are oh. worth like $900 now. But if you can find now. that demo disc and you know what I'm talking about, I want to find an old copy if it's freeware at this point. Because I just want to, I just, you know, I, was, I just woke up I one day. I could do a whole show about this, Tim. Finding this, this demo just disc, video the, games, lost yes. disc. <laughs> the lost a, disc. Listen, it is a Sound Blaster demo with those games on it and maybe one more. And I couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. I remember it taking days to download a movie, and I had friends that were putting conspiracy videos in mainline Hollywood movie titles, <laughs> and people were downloading them and then and then watching it, conspiracy. It looks videos. like it's uh, Warcraft, Orcs and Humans. Yeah, yeah. Descent. It's the game pack. Descent. Destination. Saturn. Doom. Heretic. Warcraft. Orcs and Humans. Yeah, but you found a copy. I'll of send it? it to you. No, I don't know. No, I don't think that's it. Mm. It was a demo disc, but I don't know. See what you it's find. A sound see what blaster. You find. You found you found the Sound Blaster game pack? CD-ROM package with Sound Blaster cards, 1995. That's, and it has those games on it? Descent, Doom, Heretic, and Warcraft. I think that's right. Let's go. All right, let's check How it out. How did he find it so quickly? Because he's Ian, man. He's the free the code guy. <laughs> he's he a can, man of the internet. He can see the code like Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> that is true, because I, I smoked salvia. I had something to do with it. <laughs> I'll do a whole show on that. Now we're talking about it. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see. Jason Schmidt says, with your website, breakdown activities for tickets. I will never go for some skateboarding activity, but you have a gun hunting day and I will be there. Don't really want to join the site and risk taking uh, and risk taking an activity from another from another. I guess you got cut off. Um, we're not going to be doing skateboarding events. The events that we're going to do are going to be like comedy, music and political commentary. And it's going to be basically based around the guests we have on the show. You know, so there are a lot of prominent polit musicians that get into politics. I mean, we had uh, uh, Phil from All That Remains on the show at one point. Yeah. It, it's it's things like that. I'm not going to say we've, we've booked anybody, but we're going to have comedy shows. It'll be political comedy. And you'll come hang out as one of maybe like 10 people having a drink. And we're going to broadcast the shows live, but you'll get to be there. That's kind of the plan of being a member. It will be first come, first serve, so it'll probably be hard to actually get, considering how many members there are, but, you know. Fat Freddy's Cat says, dude, fix your website. I can't create my username or something. Give me back my 10 buckos. Fat Freddy, you gave me $5 to tell me that. Um, so I think what's happening, a lot of people don't realize, after you sign up, you get your sign-up email, and it's going to people's spam folders. Mm. 
So we're fixing all of this and we're going to create a splash page and the site literally went up on Monday. So forgive us as we work, you know, work through the, uh, the issue. Uh, you should be able to just use your email to request another password, say like you lost your password, but uh, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Consider it in beta for the next few weeks. Oh, it's going to be in beta for for some time. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, look, we can't snap our fingers and create a massive news enterprise website. We have to start somewhere. So when, when we launched, we were like, it works. Everything seems to be working perfectly. And then once you bring in the users, the bugs start appearing and then we find them and now we're trying to work them out to the best of our abilities. So it's, it's pretty beta. Zachary says, Tim, Lydia, Ian, you have cultivated a desire to counter the misinfo of the establishment in me. Luke, you're an inspiration, a very Polish inspiration. I'll be creating content in the coming weeks. Very nice. Dziękuję bardzo. STFU says, from the makers of my pillow, it's my coup d'etat. Pillow man. The my pillow guy. Pillow fight. Yeah. Let's see. Amir M says, hey, Tim, big fan. Since Timcast is expanding, any chance you're hiring? Potentially soon, we will have some news. There's a lot of stuff going on. But uh, for now, I think the most important thing is there is uncertainty right now with social media bannings and the purge. And there's serious risk right now to having a business primarily be YouTube-based. So this is a podcast. It does appear on iTunes and Spotify and actually does particularly well uh, relative to other podcasts. But YouTube is a way larger portion of traffic, which is why... You can tell I'm pushing TimCast.com very heavily because ideally we can make this business self-sufficient on an independent platform that can't be banned and you don't need that many people to do it. So look, we get, uh, I think we get like three, uh, all of my content's getting like three or, no, it's probably getting like four million, two million views a day, four million every 48 hours on YouTube metrics. Imagine if only 10,000 people actually watched any of this stuff, but they were all members paying 10 bucks a month. We would never have to worry about censorship ever again. Granted, we do want to reach as many people as possible. That's the name of the game, I suppose. But we could make this work with a with with a with a one percent point one percent of that audience if they were just subscribing members, and that's the freedom we really want. So, like like, like I said, we did this segment with Richie McGinnis, and we were swearing because it was funny because we could finally swear. There's a lot of things we can say. I can do a segment after this on the name I can't say and say it five hundred times. It'll be fantastic. Yes. Serious Red Gamer says 2024 Trump for president and pillow guy VP. I, I honestly would not would not be surprised. Yeah. All right. Let's see. ISP Inc. says declassified documents available. Check live chat for link. Is that the uh, Obama stuff? The Obamagate stuff? Trump declassified know. it. I don't know if it's out yet, though, is it? It was uh, parts of it was at least declassified today. I did not read it, though. Rob Lowe, Rob's Lowe's says, Tim, Lydia, Ian, and Luke, keep doing what you're doing. You're all awesome. Thank you for the great content. Can't wait to see what members content has on TimCast.com. We're talking about, you know, Luke wants to set up an airsoft battle between the TimCast IRL crew versus the Daily Caller crew. The Beanie Compound crew. That's what we're we're calling it. The Beanie Compound crew. And then we were thinking of doing, uh, uh, like, having, you know, GoPros on people's heads, live (laughs) broadcasting remotely. Oh, that sounds cool. Or we and then can do you a could live like, stream. You could have Luke Cam and like Richie Cam. And then you're like, Luke's behind Richie and Richie doesn't know. Oh, no. Oh, and then sni- be stream cool. snipers. Yeah, it'd be cool. Um, we also have those night vision goggles that can record <laughs> HD. <laughs> yeah. We do. We do a night show. Yeah. Night vision. Yeah. Tyler says, Tim, you should reach out to Bill Little and ask him about the after party and its mascot. It's already on board. I don't know what that is. I will look that up. Flues Burrow says, hi from Sweden. Tim, if you plan to get a dog, please consider 
Commandor, a Hungarian guard dog. We get our Commandor puppy next week directly from Hungary. Interesting. Cool. Well, we we were close to getting a husky, but I just got a German Shepherd. So here's an interesting here's an interesting one. Mitchell uh, Salazar says, "I'm in Virginia, and I saw a billboard asking people to turn people in who are at the Capitol." Wow. Count Ludwig, Ludwig says, hey, Jason, fellow Seattleite here, and I seek your advice on how average citizen can push back against COVID lockdowns, especially in, in Washington. I'm friends with a few restaurateurs, and at least one is terrified she will lose their eatery. Uh, she probably will. Uh, the, the reality of the situation is Washington state is deeply blue, and you're not going to just be able to, to change things. Now, this last election actually was way more competitive than a lot of people thought, and there was no losses of seats on the Republican side where we, we kind of thought we were going to lose some, potentially. So that's um, that, that's, that maybe portends a good future. I, I think you just got to get more uh, involved politically. I mean, w- Washington in particular is a place that when you do get involved— it actually does make a difference on the local level. And some of these races are being won by just a few hundred votes sometimes. Are, are there instances in Washington of restaurateurs just staying open? Yes, there are quite a few. And what was it? Spiffy's made uh, the national rounds. Uh, they now owe like $115,000 or something uh, in, wow. in, in fines. And they're going through the court system. And they thought that, oh, we get in front of a court, get in front of a judge. They're going to side with it. So far, not going so well there but there have been in washington really across like ap has a story out this week on restaurants just saying no we, we just can't do it anymore we're not doing it because we you know are, are just trying to be scoff laws and try to spread covid we're trying to help sustain a business and keep our employees paid I, it's just at, at some point people are going to just jason stop following the rules you're from seattle i am you ever eat a bag of dicks <laughs> Dicks is the best. <laughs> I will say Seattle that. Seattle jokes are the best. It's a burger joint. It's oh. actually really good. Yeah. So the joke is because I think we mentioned it before. Every time I like, I lived in Seattle very brief, briefly. I lived in Fremont, and uh, I've been back a couple times. And everyone's always like, "What do you want to do? You want to eat a bag of dicks?" Because it's a funny <laughs> thing to ask. And then you actually end up going and get a burger. You literally go to Dick. <laughs> you go and get a burger. I know the family, of, so it's a uh, it's a good place. Man. It's a really good. Yeah, place. it's always fun to go to. Yeah, fat. It's it's fast. It's kind of like how McDonald's, the old school McDonald's, would be. You like walk up to the window and you order, and then you step over and they hand you the bag. People oh. on the West Coast who know In and Out, although right, they're just Bam. West Coast. Way better than In and Out. Yeah. I know. Well, In-N-Out, way I, I don't like In and Out. In and Out, I think, is overrated. Yeah, do, do absolutely. Every Swenson's did those make it to the bigger other no, cities? I've never. That heard was of like it. you sit in your car and you order. They come out and they like take your order and then they go bring it out to the car. I don't want that. That's old uh, school. I don't, I don't from need like that. Fifties or something. I could. 60s. You know, I, I don't like the fact that you have to walk up. I just give me a drive-through. Come on, guys. Yeah. Oh. You ever watch uh, that that movie, the, uh, the Founder? Yes. How they got rid of the drive-up because it was like, who cares? He's like, he's like sitting down trying to figure out how to eat and he's yeah. just like just eats in his lap it was a new thing to them that's amazing that's a good movie by the way yeah it is better yeah. than news of the world <laughs> yeah black czar says raising the federal minimum wage to 15 dollars is a corporate power grab a small business in kansas does not have the same cost of living terms as silicon valley they would lay off staff increase prices or fold their wealth being redistributed to walmart amazon etc who can eat the costs yes absolutely Stephen Schlack says, I'm in Illinois. They're stripping cops of qualified immunity and allowing unconfirmed reports to stay on their permanent record. I know a bunch of cops who are getting out and going to act and going to act like the fire department only show when called. Well, yeah. 
they th- should. This is a super serious problem, and it's going to get so much worse in 2021. Just in Seattle, the official number, I think, is now 198 from 2020. That is the largest number of officers to leave the force. We now have the lowest level of deployable staff since 1993, since which we've grown like 48% or something in population. It is bad, and it's going to get worse. Wow. Oh, this is a really important super chat from Sassy Pants 824. Jason's eyebrows are glorious. Oh, she saw through the mask. (laughs) We're here. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, track media only says people like AOC saying what they do that cause this add how much further they want to go. It causes people to look for hope in anything they can. Daniel Henry says conservative domination of talk radio is simply because people getting things done can't watch TV or YouTube. They have to listen to work, at the, listen and work at the same time. I think so. That's that's true. So I, I found that a while ago because I started my channel making videos, like actually going out and filming stuff and then intermittently doing commentary videos because I couldn't travel all the time and then eventually just commentary. But people would turn my video on. They still do. And then just go about work. Mm-hmm. So they're hearing it in the background while doing something else. Yeah, Makes sense. It, it, it look it, radio is is passive listening for the most part, uh, unless you have what it's called a P1, which is your first preference, which is the first person, the first station you go to when you get in the car. Obviously, as traffic got worse, we uh, capitalized on that. And obviously, in some of the other cities where people aren't actually driving, that's the places where like YouTube does best. Or what was that? Yeah. Quibi that quite Quibi. never quite did not uh, take off. All right, let's see. Brian Lane says, hey, gang, Vosh recently said on stream he would like to come on your show again after COVID. Any plan to have him on again? Love to see varying ideas. I'd love to. I'd really love to have him on with Alex Jones. That was cool. That's what we wanted to do because uh, and it's not about Vosh. It's about getting a left and a right wing personality in the same place to just have a conversation, I guess. What if they wanted to box? Would you let them? No, no I'm not <laughs> no. OK. I'm what a, about I'm an escape park? No, 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 no. If they want to do a sanctioned thing on their own, they can go do that. I'm not uh, that Jake Paul like boxing it out yeah, stuff. What's that um, called when they agree to fight? Mutual combat. Yeah, mutual combat no. in the parking lot. No. no, okay. No, none of that's ever going to happen here. They what, can do what that. About anybody, the street out anybody, front? Can we record no, it? No, they <laughs> cannot. Yeah. Never going to happen. All right, let's see. Ankush Narula says. Kush says, does Ian believe things can get better if the Fed stops dosing the blockchain with aspartame? I, I definitely think, think things can get better. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. Dosing right. the blockchain with have, aspartame while they free the code. We have more power than we realize. That's something I've learned over the last 20 years, <laughs> especially true. with internet video. But I think just in general, our, our actions have like resounding effects on our uh, surroundings. Gustav Anderson says, Tim, you and your team have been exceptionally transformational in my worldview and how I engage with social political content. Literally have changed my life. Thank you all so much for what you do. I appreciate it. I think we're just a group of people that talk about our feelings. But when you have a when you have a bunch of people who are constantly reading the news and have different views on them, then you make a, you have a conversation, you know. Plus, if you're fearless to tell your friends, I say I can't swear. I don't want to swear. What I say in to the you, bonus segment. Yeah, if you want to hear what I really say to Tim, check the bonus segment. It's just screaming. <laughs> Ian's like, you got. You should listen to us play magic and just go at each other. <laughs> no, it's never really that bad. It's There's a reason I live in the RV. Friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Cage says, hey, I love rants. Seems like a solid dude. I live in Auburn and, and I helped support SPD through Jason's fundraising efforts. Oh, awesome. Thank you. James Byrne says, yo, Ian dudes in man dresses and outdated weapons have been kicking America's rear end for 20 years. I have been there and done that. Tell, Do- me, tell me more about that. I Can think you- he's talking about the Middle like East the Middle and like yeah. oh, dudes in man dresses. 
I wore yeah. a man dress at Burning Man. That's why I was a little confused. Oh my gosh. So what was this? What was this point? It's 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 about how like in Afghanistan and Vietnam, farmers with like just guns yeah. overwhelmed the U.S. Yeah. You know what kind of dress did you wear at Burning Man? It was a skirt that was uh, offered to me by a friend of mine. Huh. And I I, I don't have it anymore. I'll show you. <laughs> it was green. True True North says, I really hope that my pillow guy and Trump start a civil war. Just so that 100 years from now, they can refer to it as the Great Pillow Fight of 2021. <laughs> oh, I love it. Count Ludwig says, hey, Jason, fellow Seattleite here, and I seek your advice. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that got posted twice, I guess. Snazzy Butterfly says, shout out to Ian. I grew up in Akron, too. Oh, holler. Oh, nice. There you go. You guys are like basically best friends. The though. water was like well water. It tasted weird, though. Huh. Something about it. Probably really dirty. I didn't know at the time. Jacob... <laughs> Dzuski, I'm saying your name. Uh, I'm trying to pronounce it. He says, Tim, you know, right now, certain media is claiming the Civil War and Trump is a Confederate president. Side note, see if Luke can pronounce my last name. How do you say it? Spell it. D-Y-C-Z-E-W-S-K-I. E-W. I bet we can. He totally can. Dzvizek? 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 Dzvizek. That's awesome. That's crazy. I don't know. I didn't write down what you're saying but i'm just making up words right now to see if i can get it luke doesn't really speak polish he just pretends to yeah, i mean it and it's works, actually yeah. just gibberish Dude, yeah. no <laughs> all right let's see eric a says you asked the other day what's next with leftists keep pushing norms map is next to be pushed remember salon wrote an article how they're not monsters crowder's done some good vids on this map you know what that is mm -mm. minor attracted persons I don't was know. Was that like pedophiles? Oh, oh, yes. Really? Oh, my yeah. God. That's what that, and that's a big thing that's been on Twitter. And pe like left and right have been calling these people out like crazy. It's creepy stuff. These people are disgusting. That's what they're calling themselves? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This mm -hmm. is why I hate Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Though, the it, left is going no. after him, too. So. Are they? Okay. Well, yeah, you know definitely. what? See, that's good. You yeah. usually on the left. No judgments. Well, these, we should be judging yeah, these people. I judge that. Come on. Yep. <laughs> let's see Arturski says Dems watch TV because they have more time Republicans listen to radio while working one family guy episode that they overthrow the government things started to go sideways had to create a new government lol great show and then he says C-Z-E-S-C -E what is that check Chase. Chase. what does that mean like hi oh hi let's see Mild says Ian just for you, I'm researching the history of the Fed to get a grasp on what the heck is going on. Dude. Also, uh, also chance of Harumph Gorilla workout merch. I don't, <laughs> now we're talking. If get you would barbells. like the official I am a gorilla t-shirt, because I know everyone really loves the gorilla emoji, go to TimCast.com, click the shop button, and then you should see the I am a gorilla t-shirt. Let, let, let me just remind everybody. You see, the t-shirts that we make here for the TimCast IRL podcast are somewhat meaningless. It's a gorilla. Or it's me with, like, harumph, I say, bubbles. <laughs> Luke's got a whole bag of, like, crazy political commentary Meaningful. and humor. Well, yeah. I like to make people think and, and to interact with other people in the wild of our environment. And uh, one great way to have a conversation is with a wild T-shirt. You know, and you know what would really help start a conversation? Wearing a shirt that says Trump just in big letters and walk around, say, like, in New York or Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. yeah. You'll start a conversation real quick. It'll be, it'll be a short one. this week. Wear yeah. a helmet. I've been watching a few <laughs> Trump I'll videos on YouTube, a lot of them. But it's he's a Hearthstone player called Trump. Yeah. That freaks people out. You know what would be fun to make? Uh, a red hat that looks like Make America Great Again, 
but is completely meaningless, like make Trump go back now or like make Trump jump lawnmower. Well, I have a red hat that says make taxation theft again oh, and works. make Orwell fiction again. And but um, I mean, like confuses people a lot total of times. Gibberish. Like make a shirt that says like that. Look, oh, you know, make Trouba Shan No, 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 again. no. I think I think I want to make a shirt that doesn't. You can't tell if it's pro or anti-Trump. It just says pump. like Donald Trump. We don't deserve. We don't deserve him. Yes, that's a Michael Malice <laughs> joke, by the way. He always he always responds to he would respond to Trump saying like we don't deserve him and is perfect is brilliant because then like everybody you don't know who you don't know what's going on is, is he for or against the guy I have no idea y'all at him either way it's Twitter Eric Bart thank you for that super chat Ooh, thank you Lost Cause says wait Tim swearing take my money well that's a super chat you need to go to timcast.com become a member <laughs> and we got the segment up with Richie um we're probably gonna have to figure out some better compression for the videos we upload because. The videos that we put up are like high quality and we host we host them on our own stuff. Not, but we're, we're, we're going to have a bunch of other stuff, too. I think we're actually going to do limited edition shirts and merch and stuff. And, you know, we're working on it. I think the goal is I should have done this from the get go is making the, the focus of the company be just core users and membership and like the website. There are a lot of podcasts you've never heard of that do way better than we do because that's what they did. And so that's something I realized, you know, I'm like, wow, we should have done that. We should have done that. There are podcasts that have way less subscribers and these people are insanely rich because of it. I want to, I want to expand though. And I want to do more. So I'm figuring the, the appropriate way to protect ourselves from censorship. Like many of these left-wing podcasts do is exactly that. Base player says my last chat before becoming a member. Mm-hmm. And in regards to Crowder, he takes breaks in summer and winter for the holidays. He'll be back before the end of the month. Okay. Cool. Let's see. Buffalo Bill says, my pillow guy got sued for saying it healed migraine and back back pain. He's a grifter. Interesting. <gasps> Is that true of the my pillow guy? What? I never would have no. thought that. All right. Let's see here. We'll jump down and make sure we get to as many super chats as possible. Nolan Harris says, I know you, you guys like Magic the Gathering. Do you all read fantasy sci-fi? If so, what do you like? I don't. Ian, maybe. I was just watching a bunch of Lord of the Rings, the Cimmerillion. I, I haven't heard it yet, but I was listening to some old Tolkien interview from the 60s. Oh, that cool. guy like speaks like a hop. I mean, he's like Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's see. Fantasy. Anthony Calva says, hey, Tim, can you acknowledge my existence? I'm from Jersey, too, by the way, and Murphy sucks. I agree. Yes. Here we go. Uh, this one's uh, from Zombie Slayer. Isaac says, nah, have Vosh on with Eric July. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. That'd be cool because I think they're both smart and they'd have a, an interesting conversation. I'm not saying that I completely agree with Vosh, though. We had quite a disagreement, but I don't think he's going to, you know, I, I think it'll be an interesting conversation. Vosh is also named Ian, by the way. Yeah. That's yes. cool. He'd be good with a lot of people because he's really smart and kind of like a socialist. Or he, Ar- he, he like, so, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Tim. Please Arth- continue. Arthemisia says, hey, Tim, I am a small political YouTuber and worried about the future of my channel. I had a rapid growing audience that began to dwarf my channel on Parler. What we need are new server companies to compete with Google and Amazon. I'm going to give a shout out to pocketnet.app again. They sponsored the show. We, 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 I read, you know, a, a bit of their thing early on. And, uh, at first I, you know, I get, I get told like, Hey, like, here's the people who are interested in sponsoring the show. And then when I looked at their website and they said, there's no company, there's no centralization backing this. So no one can ban you. I was like, that's exactly what we need. And I'm like, I'm really adamant when it comes to sponsorships where I'm like, I only literally endorse things I think are cool. So when I read that, even before we started the show, me and Ian had a little back and forth where you were like, wow. Yeah. I wonder no how, many, how many it. pocket coins you need to stake in order to become one of the miners. Is that what it is? Like you run nodes, I guess. Yeah, to run a node. How many pocket coins you got to stake? How much they cost? Where to get them? I like Probably the idea. 
So just real quick, just because it just happened like 20 minutes ago. Virginia officials reach agreement with Secret Service shut down Virginia, D.C. bridges Tuesday through 6 a.m. Thursday for inaugural activities. Wow. I'm going to get stuck on on, D.C. Wow. Creepy, man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, so those that are those that are you know mentioning decentralized apps and other options, special thanks to PocketNet.app for sponsoring the show. I I, I do think it's an amazing idea. I I, I got to stress it because I'm not trying to just you know keep promoting them, but we've talked about the Fediverse over and over again, where you have your own server. So like instead of using Twitter to send messages, people just follow you on your server is really really an interesting concept. To, so to see people actually implementing this, I I I want to see more of this. So. Let's see. Ghost Crusaders says Facebook and Instagram reinstated Trump's accounts. I don't think they ever banned him. I think they, they restricted him from. Yeah. Well, he can't he can't post. His accounts are still there, though. Icefox says when to become a member. It took a PayPal payment, but I can't log in. Tried forget my password with my PayPal account email. The email without the domain and the PayPal payment ID. What am I doing wrong? Check your spam folder. Uh, if not, email members at timcast.com and then we'll get you the proper link and get it sorted through. And, uh, let me just, let me just tell you guys, uh, one of the, one of the challenges with launching the site is that we immediately got like thousands of people signing up right away. And so we're just a small handful of people trying our best. So, uh, we'll, 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 we'll get to as many people as possible. Whatever you do, you need to, I, I, it's probably pointless to just bring up again, but, uh, People are emailing a bunch of the wrong emails and it's not getting sorted out properly. So just members at timcast.com if you encounter a problem, check your spam folder. And we're gonna we're gonna set up more to, to sort through this and create a splash page and then create, you know, um, redundancies to make sure people who encounter any problems can solve it. Preston Tem says if someone had told me that we would go into a near multi-year lockdown, economic crash, a populist winning presidency after Harambe happened, I never would have believed you. Oh Harambe. Yeah. Cat MC twenty six says, "Can you make sock gorillas like the monkeys grandma made?" Oh. I I don't I don't know. I like it. Maybe yes. we'll see what Teespring offers. If you have not already, make sure you smash that like button, subscribe to the notification bell because it really does help. And go to timcast.com, become a member. We will have uh, more bonus segments coming up. But you really check out the one we just did with Richie McGinnis of the Daily Caller because he was smeared by the New York Times as a rioter, they literally made it up. They claimed he punched the glass. Never happened. Meanwhile, CNN puts on one one of the actual rioters who's a leftist and acts like he's a journalist. Check out that segment at TimCast.com. Become a member. And thank you all so much for hanging out for the show. Jason, thank you for coming to the show. Do you want to mention social media or your show? Sure. Jason Rants on Twitter, R-A-N-T-Z. I lost so many when I was critical of Trump and then with all the purging and stuff. So I'd like to boost yeah, that man. back up hey you know what it's all a part of life just gotta I keep know. You, you keep grinding you keep working and you, you don't worry too much you know? i'm gonna sign up for your sponsor though i'm excited as much oh, as oh, i don't now. yeah i don't like i'm not signing up for anything else i'm not going to gab i know people I know, keep right? telling me to go to i was there at the beginning Ooh. a lot of anti-semitism <laughs> I, I am i am not going back <laughs> right, so right. i am just out but I will go there. I went to Gab a couple of days ago. Man, it was slow. Yeah. I think they just got they're, overloaded. They're, they're getting yeah. slammed. But dude, my respect, they're building infrastructure. So they're trying to ban Gab. I think the issue, you know, but, uh, uh, actually, I, I should, I was going to say something wrong. No, Gab decentralized. Gab fed, used the Fediverse now. So that was a while ago. They're doing everything in their power to prevent them from being taken down. It's, it's actually impressive. Hmm. And I, Apparently, there's rumors about like the DOJ is like leftists are demanding the DOJ investigate them now because when when the the private sector fails, use the power of the government to shut down your political opponents, right? Yeah. 
But uh, uh, yeah, you, Luke, you, you have shirts and stuff. They're and also doing the same against Signal and Telegram, which is very worrying as well. But yes, if you want to support my independent ventures, I am Luke. We are change on most social media like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those other controlled places. But the best thing you could do is sign up on my email list on wearechange.org in the top right-hand corner. And I don't just sell shirts. I sell bikinis, socks, and hats, which you could get also on wearechange.org forward slash store if you want to support me because you do. Thank you guys so much. And if you have problems with decentralized things like Signal and Telegram going forward, you could always use something like Wire or uh, the Matrix Protocol with Riot. It's Mines a great has encrypted chat. Mines, although their app seems chat's going to be offline, but wow. Mines is going to be rolling out some hardcore uh, message, new messaging upgrades, which I don't, I don't think Bill has authorized me to talk about yet. But man, it's going to be good. Um, of course, I'm Ian Crossland. Thank you, Tim, Luke, Jason, Lydia. I love you all. Uh, you guys can follow me anywhere um, on the internet: YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Minds, uh, Instagram. Oh, I think Instagram's tracking everything you do now. Did you guys see that? I, you know what? Can I be honest? Yeah. Every time I get served with an ad on Instagram, it knows me so well. It's creepy. I yep. buy everything. Oh, I know. I've seen, I seriously <laughs> buy every. I bought toothpaste this morning oh because of an Instagram ad. <laughs> Didn't know I wanted it. They served I do now. Tim and I the same ad, and you bought it. What was that? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. With the solar torch or what? Crazy, was it? dude. Yep. I think maybe it was. You know the, two of them now. the craziest thing is they sent me an ad for a head oh, shaver. No, that, yeah. And how do they know I'm bald? I wear a beanie all the time. Yep. They figured it out somehow. Facial recognition. <laughs> X-ray yeah. vision. Yeah. Uh, anything else I was going to say? I think that's about it. I love you guys. You're going to tell Thank everybody you. to follow at Sour Patch Lids. Yeah, follow at Sour Patch Lids and share the video. Share this video yes. if you like it. Yes, do. Yes, and then go to TimCast.com. I was going to say, too, that I did buy Tim's Christmas gift off of an Instagram ad because mm. I loved it, and it was perfect for him, and I thought it was great, and he loved it. The, anyway, em- the empanada press or whatever? Yeah, it makes maker. little dumplings. It's oh. really good. We made cheesy dumplings. Yes. It was amazing. That's some behind the scenes My friends, footage. thank you all so much for hanging out. We will have more bonus content, so if you, if you like the show, then, again, sign up for TimCast.com. We will be back Monday, right? Monday? Yes, we will yes be Monday, Monday at 8 p.m. <laughs> and uh, thanks for hanging out, and we will see you all then. Bye, guys.